worried about securing the bag. Yeah. He's up to date on me. He's up to date on memes, though. <laughs> Never know when the mean meme bug is gonna bite either. Everybody, this is John Seth, and you're listening to John Seth's World. I'm with my co-host Sean and my AKA other something. Sean and my other co-host Kevin. How are you doing? So I guess we got co-host Titus. Co-host Titus. Co-host Titus. It's like a disease of co-hosts. Too many. Mm. Uh, Too many cooks. Yeah, you had really shitty notes this week, so this is going to be a shit show. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I don't want to. I mean, like I say that a lot, but like sometimes they're worse than usual. This week is particularly bad. I think it's like, uh, I think you have some headings, and then like a tenth of a page, pretty much. So yeah, I thought I was gonna have more time, but I literally and a lot happened. So like, there's I don't know. Like, uh, what do we talk about? I don't know. What do we? <laughs> what, what what do we talk about? Probably nothing. I mean, like okay, so what's this Andrew Yang shit? You guys have been. <laughs> <laughs> singing songs and dancing and and talking about memeing and like so I saw I saw Andrew Yang on Joe Rogan I've known about Andrew Yang for a while because okay. I watched a YouTube documentary or something like that like I don't know like a year and a half ago mm-hmm. like forever ago and I didn't you know it was it was one of those like irreverent sort of discussions with him I'm like oh god you know, this will never go anywhere and then he gets on Rogan mm-hmm. and then it goes somewhere. Yeah, pretty much. But it, I don't know if the Rogan thing actually catapulted him as much as the the memes did because there was a lag. But yeah, but yeah. The, the the memes had to follow Rogan, right? That that definitely inspired it. You know, put him on the uh, put him in the spotlight. That's a. I mean, he's a he's an interesting guy. He actually so he's a he's an Ivy League graduate. Yeah, he went, he went to he went to his, uh, some Ivy League school. He went to some Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's Asian. Yeah. So that that means he's smart. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Probably plays a cello. Uh, and what else? He wants UBI. Yeah. And that's that's the, the UBI, all about the UBI. That's that's kind of the thing that seems to have really, uh, seems to be the theme of the meme. Yes. The meme theme. It's all about the Yang Bucks. Is that what they're calling it? <laughs> Yang Bucks. Neat Bucks. Neat Bucks. Is that what it is? Neat Bucks. term. <sighs> well... He talked a lot about, and one of his, like, one of the things he talked about on Rogan was, uh, like, he's like, I'm talking to all of these truckers and shit, right? Right. And he's like, you know, the trucking industry might be one of the first industries that really gets impacted. You know what's really funny robots. about that? When, when I was a kid, I would think to myself, like, what's the one thing that's, like, robot proof? And I, I decided when I was a kid that it was trucking. Mm-hmm. And I, I might have been wrong. Yeah, you may have been. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit weird. Well, trucking... Uh, but we, I mean, actually, he's wrong, though. It's not trucking. What is it? Being a maid. Because of the Roomba? The Roomba! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking killed maid jobs, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, no more, there's no maid jobs you can't, anymore. You can't, like, uh, clean houses anymore. The Roomba <laughs> does it better than you. <laughs> but anyhow, so he's, like, he wants... He, the trucking industry, he thinks, is going to be decimated by robots. Yeah. 
And like you're going to have a lot of guys who there's a lot, there's a lot of people that are going to be directly and indirectly affected by automation coming to the trucking industry. And it's like, well, the fuck do you do? So like, I remember him, I remember on Rogan talking about like you, you got to add making fifty grand a year. It's like a trucking job, whatever. And like his proposal is, well, this guy's not going to this guy's going to lose his job completely. Not going to have an alternative. Uh, and is it's a like, truck a mobile man cave? It can be. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Mobile, yeah, that's like a mobile man cave. Yeah, drive This is the guys that want to be out of the house. Yeah. Well, this is this is a war on masculinity then because you're getting rid that's of the right. man cave. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but okay. he talks about like the tangentials. Like you, know, you have a lot of truckers driving through like little towns and like little places that mostly cater to people on the, out on the road. And like, if you're sending a truck from here to fucking New York, most of the way along highways and stuff, the idea is you to fucking AI do it because you don't need someone navigating. Yeah. Just miles and miles and miles. You do like trip. last mile trucking where like someone gets into the truck for the last mile. Well, I think yeah? I, I, that's the idea. That's, really? That's basically. Oh, I like that. Well, that, one of the problems is that navigating a city is much more difficult. We have, we're far farther away from that. What's the difference between like trucks and trains though? Because I mean, trains move so much shit across the nation. Mm-hmm. I would have think. I would have think. I would have thought that like was the great truck killer. Forever ago, yeah, but trains are limited to like wherever. Like, I, 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 my thought would be there'd be a lot of limitations to trains and the rails, and like if you're, you know, you have to, you, have, you still have yeah, to, like, get, you have to have you a still truck have to get the shit ten miles to a train station, and the train station goes wherever, and then it has to go from the train station to wherever. For like, truckers, tr- trucking is not just long distance direct, yeah. but like sh- there's a shorter thing there. It just makes more sense. There's more routes. It's easier to just pack up one truck. And like you have a truck right there where well, okay, so I, storing I, I, yeah. it and so dropping it off. I mean, not not this would another truck killer idea. Yeah, I like this idea of killing truckers because I hate truckers. Yeah, everyone says they're the best drivers, but they've nearly killed me many times. <laughs> <laughs> they can be they can be pretty shitty. Uh, they're just terrible yeah. sometimes. Yeah, especially down here. Yeah, but okay. So so have a guy sitting in like one of those uh, simulator trucks, uh-huh. and then and then what you do is every like. Every time a truck comes to the last mile, you have them take over a new truck, get it to the destination, mm-hmm. and then take over the next truck. Mm-hmm. Huh? No? I like, I like you it. like it? Yeah. Great idea. Business. Yeah, there you go. But is, So Andrew Yang is doing, uh, so he wants a UBI stuff. Yeah. A just, thousand a month. Just for, is that what it is? A thousand bucks a month for everybody. A thousand dollars a month. I'm in. For everybody. So everybody can, everybody gets... Everybody gets that money. How is that not bribery to promise? <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, got, well, there's a few ways to look at it. Yeah, uh, we could talk about UBI as like uh, potentially, uh, you know, interesting and, and maybe worthwhile idea that might like you know change the world, work out economically for people. Yeah, uh, or it's just fuck it. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. May as well get money. Is that what it, get get me mine? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my God. I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting at the very least. I would like a thousand bucks a month for doing nothing. So yeah. um, you could buy more stellar. <laughs> I could buy more stellar. That's yeah. true. <laughs> right now, a lot of it too. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of dumped. Yeah, we're, we're we're in a we're in a dumpy market. Yeah, it's everything's it's dumpy. Dump, yeah. Well, what do you what do you you said you've uh, you've come across some Andrew Yang stuff before? Like you said, you yeah, well, just, I'd seen him on that thing, and then like I hadn't heard of him at all until the Rogan podcast. And it seems like I mean I was kind of weirded out by him being on Rogan because he's a guy with absolutely no reach, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you know he gets on Rogan, and I, I was like, oh, he's going to get a lot of reach from that. And then this thing happens mm. with all of these uh, with all of these memes, which are funny because I'm kind of like 
not seeing them. I think I think everyone here has seen. I think both of you have seen like a lot of the Andrew Yang memes. Yeah, <laughs> and and I, I've I've been watching them kind of. I mean, this to me, I feel as disconnected from this as the Sonic Knuckles, the Knuckles one. Oh, take me uh, to your queen shit. You got to one. You got you got to Knuckles. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know the way. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get that one. Like that was very weird. Uh, and these memes, you know, they burn hot, and I wonder how long this will last. Yeah. Well, that's that's the other question too. Like, is this is this really gonna be something that uh, can keep going, or is it kind of like gonna fade out? You know, right? I don't, Fuck, dude. I'm looking at. I don't know. I'm looking through Merkel report. There is so much that happened so far this like last week. Oh, see? so fucking much. But what's awesome about Merkel Report is uh, I don't have to take any notes. Yeah, just right. right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know where to end, you know? Uh, okay, so by the way, uh-huh. so the OneCoin people were, I think, I think indicted. Oh, yeah. I don't think they were arrested, which excites me uh, because it's funny. But it's it's all like when is it? When Ru- are they going to be brought Ruzha, in? Ruja Nagatova. Yeah, it, indicted in the U.S. Yes, by the U.S. at least. Yeah, and some other cohorts, or like there, were, there wasn't just her. There's more people. I think is it was that, her brother is, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's just a couple people. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, like that thing lasted forever before anybody stepped in. That that's what gets me is how long one coin went on for. Because it was uh, at least what twenty fourteen, maybe maybe oh, earlier. I mean, yeah, right. Like and I don't think it was twenty fourteen. I think it was like twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. It really started popping up. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I mean, that's when we started seeing it. I, I don't know if like how long it, it, if it was around before that. Or yeah, not, that's but like, true. But like twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, whatever. But still going on for several years. And then, and then we had some fun down here trying to like disrupt some of the meetings, which yeah. was just for fun. It was a blast. My favorite was uh, there was a church up north in West Palm Beach that was going to host one, mm-hmm. and so I, I messaged them. I was like, "Hey, what do I have to do to rent the the, the room next to this?" And they're like, "Oh, it's taken. You can't." And I was like, "Well, can I just?" He's, you're, you said he's in this one room. Uh, can I do the room right next to it? And we were just going to go and, like, disrupt the Ponzi scheme meeting. And they told me, you know, I, they said, no, we can't do that. We can't have two in a night. And I said, well, uh, you realize that you're hosting a Ponzi scheme. Or, no, no, sorry. I asked, I told them they were hosting a Ponzi scheme up there, and they told me that uh, they take no responsibility for any of the content that occurs in the rooms that they rent out. So I was like, oh, great. That's, that's phenomenal. And I was on Facebook. I said, uh, so I'd like to host an orgy right next door. Which, like, I think the church just freaked out. So they didn't let the thing get hosted there. But then we went down to Miami, and we did a disruption of one of the meetings at a Holiday Inn. Mm. Were, you, were you there? I wasn't there, there right? for no? that. No, oh, that was a great day. Yeah. That was a great day. I missed that one. Yeah. But uh, I heard a lot, you know. Yeah, I think we, I think <laughs> I I, the whole thing. I think I met up with you guys, like, right after it happened. And uh, I got the full story. Oh, yeah. Then and then after. But uh, it, there was video, and, like, there was... Audio. Yeah. I was eating a piece of chicken when all of a sudden, like, the thing started to explode. Yeah. It was, uh, it was good, though. Like, I, I, think, I, think that, I think that what's interesting to me about OneCoin is how far they got. They, like, got so much promotion. Mm-hmm. The Economist let them sponsor some sort of, like, big Euro conference a few years ago. So they were the headline sponsor of, I don't remember what conference it was, but it was some giant European Union, mm-hmm. like, conference where she was, Ruja was speaking next to these like country leaders and such, which they used in all of their promo material going forward. Mm. Right. Like the fault, uh, the U.S. economist uh-huh. was on the back. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, did she also go to uh, some Ivy League school or she went to some school? I don't know if she went to an Ivy League school. No, 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 no I'm McKinsey. sorry. She went to McKinsey. Yeah. And weren't you like, McKinsey should, like... Well, I, I had a weird obsession with OneCoin, so I, I was okay. like just kind of having fun like researching. So I, I found a paper she wrote a while ago uh, with McKinsey, and I actually messaged all of the people that she worked with and asked about her. And I got a lot of responses back when I would do that, but they would all be like, why do you want to know about her? And they wouldn't, they wouldn't like give me any information. They told me never to contact them again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a weird thing because I, I look at people that use their credentials uh, for this sort of thing. And I wonder, I don't know what it is, but I, like, I feel like the culpability of an organization whose credentials are being used, you know, they, they should take some responsibility uh, for like making sure, like sort of policing the credential use, mm-hmm. I think. The way a company does like a trademark. And- yeah. Like, I don't think that if someone's saying that I, I am, I am a former, you know, former McKinsey uh, consultant. It's definitely not a good look. Right. Especially if they're running a Ponzi. She was actually a former McKinsey consultant. She was. It was legitimate. But like, if I were, if I would, if I had been McKinsey, I'd look at this thing and be like, "We have no part in this. We want nothing to do with it. We do not support this. This looks a lot like a Ponzi scheme." I mean, it was very obviously a Ponzi scheme by this point. Yes. So you know, I remember we had a one coin Bob show up at the meetings for a while. Yeah, and it was a constant back and forth. Like Always him, like just. I mean, he was kind of a. Well, the humor is he'd, he'd print out their talking points every time, and he'd come, he'd come with their talking points, and he would just, like, go through them and tell us all about how uh, one coin was, like, in China declared an, the national currency. Mm. Like, oh, guys, if it's so bad, then why did China just declare one coin their new national currency? Like, well, that, that didn't happen, Bob. He was persistent. He was fucking persistent as shit. I think he was kind of just practicing his pitch on you guys and fielding rebuttals. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think he was like slightly retarded. Y- yes. Yeah, like he was one of those guys who like he's not retarded per se, but there's yeah, I wasn't a mental, comfortable with. There's a mental handicap there or yeah. something that was a little. Yeah. There's there something missing a little, you know. Let me ask you: Do you think Ruja goes down that easy? I got her making a run for it. She's I kind got, of fat, though. Really? Yeah, I don't think she can <laughs> run. Her, I don't think she'll <laughs> run her quick. Might <laughs> be kind of hard for her. <laughs> I got her. I got her fleeing. I bet. I bet she and I could run a mile in about the same amount of time. <laughs> uh, I don't think she'll ever step foot in the U.S. Yeah, I don't. I see her. You know, getting some plastic surgery and relocating somewhere. Yeah, she'll like maybe never to be heard. I'm surprised right. anyone's ever heard from her again. Has Has anyone heard from her? Is her whereabouts? Plot known? twist: She was not Ruja the whole time, and she was transgendered man. Who knows? Nothing would surprise me on right. that. Like she, I mean, could she look completely different? Like, how much plastic surgery could she do that, like... You know, now that I'm thinking about it, she might have just... That might not have been the that's real That's what I'm Rusia. saying. That, that might have like, been just, like, another girl that assumed yeah, that, that identity. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe, maybe she, like, hired some lady and, like, you. The real Ruja. You Belarusian. Died back like, in 2006. Ruja. You Ruja. <laughs> you go out there. You preach. And then, like, you know, we have no idea who she is. She's a different person. It was so bad of a scam, and it was so big. And with guys like OneCoin Bob, it's almost like those Nigerian scams where they appeal to the yeah the lowest IQ well, I watched individuals. Every single OneCoin video that would go onto YouTube, and I would watch what they would pitch in these meetings, and I would just I would kind of sit there looking, and and it was the people at the front of the room were always these sort of I don't know like wannabe Joe Austin types. And they were just awkward, 
strange, but like hype it up, hype it up. And they didn't really like. I, I just I was always amazed that anybody would show up again, but they would have hundreds of people in these rooms, and they worshipped this lady. Like it was it was really odd, and it was everywhere, all over all over the world. Wherever she would go, people would like fill out rooms if she was speaking, and she would get on stage and say the stupidest shit. With the promise of great riches, which is all anybody heard. Yeah. Yeah, from that. Right. Well, that was that was when Queen Bobby would come and talk about stuff she said, and like, well, how could she possibly know that? She, what, how many books did she say uh, that she'd written? Like four books on crypto. Like uh, several. At least. Yeah, it was like she's already written four books on crypto. How can you say she doesn't know what she's doing? Like she self-published them, Bob, and no one's ever read them. Yeah. I remember he had like 67 packages and each one was going to double in value. He hit the Oh, bo- yeah, because they were selling ed- education packages. It wasn't oh, like. Yeah, he, he hit the bonus, <laughs> like the multiplier metric, so he's going to get double interest on it. The whole thing sounded like a pinball yeah, game, didn't it? Yeah. And then I hit the, I, the yeah. upper right bumper. So this time next year, I'm going to be making 60K a month, doubling every that's, year. That's, that's, yeah. how he was, that's how he was talking. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It was money in the bank. Well, my favorite thing about him was you talking to me like, hey, Bob, have you ever been involved in a Ponzi before? He's like, yeah, yeah, I was once at an MLM that, w- that was a Ponzi. Uh, I found out after the fact. I was devastated. I gave them everything. But that's why I got into OneCoin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, we, we met a number of people. I mean, like, there was that guy down here who was running the, the Holiday Inn meeting. He, runs a, he ran, apparently, an ice cream shop. Someplace down in like Coral Gables or something. Okay, and he was this selling. Was, this was one of the guys that was at that. Yeah, yeah. Was, okay. It was the, yeah. the main guy who organized it. Okay, and uh, he he was selling his ice cream shop so he could do one coin full time because he was making so much money. And it was sad because you went to this thing and like people were getting up there and talking. Like you know, it, it sounded like it sound it, like every single person sounded like they were a quarterback in like the fourth inning, and they were uh, is that a no. Quarter, fourth quarter, uh, at the very end of the game, <laughs> and they had to score a touchdown to win, and like it was just like the last pass of the game. The hail mary. Yeah, the, like always, all of them. Like I'm 65. Uh, I've I've earned enough that I can kind of retire, but not really be comfortable. And so I'm so thankful that one coin came along, and uh, and took all my money. And and now I'm making six million dollars a week. I'll pull it out in maybe two years. <laughs> And you're like, okay, Mr. Cuban, man. I mean, there were others, too. There were these young, there's this young couple there, um, this woman and this man. Uh, the man was like an Air Force guy. Mm-hmm. And I remember after the event, so after we, we did what we did uh, and screamed and yelled and broke the thing up, they came out in the parking lot and wouldn't talk to us. Like, we were talking to people as they were coming out and explaining what the problem was. And, you know, we had a few people like, you know, I was going to give in. Like, I was going to give the money. Like, why'd you do that? We had other people who were... We were saying things like, you know, that smelled fishy the whole time. I'm glad you did that because it gave me the confidence to walk out. And then there were these two, and I, they were the two that I think I felt worst about because the guy who owned the ice cream shop seemed to have, like, sort of cultivated, a, like, a relationship with them and told them to come, and they were, like, they'd already given him a bunch of money. They were really invested in this and not being a Ponzi. Um, it was really sad. It was hard to look at. They're young. They're saving together. Uh, and, you know. They were going to lose their ass in the ice cream shop anyway. Well, I don't know if they—I they, don't know if they liked ice cream enough to have done that. I don't think they oh. were investors in the ice cream shop, oh, but okay. I think they were just friends of his. Yeah. And you know what's funny is afterwards we started getting calls from this guy because you know he had our number because we had to call him originally to to find out where the location was. So we start getting these like weird calls, and he starts making <laughs> death threats to us. 
<laughs> but talking like we knew exactly what it was because he didn't like disguise his number. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and 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 I got a I got calls uh, left the messages left like, hello, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, <Wow>. buddy. <laughs> they were pretty blatant and, and very unthreatening. Yeah, for for being like as like explicit as they were. It sounds like it was hilarious to get threatened by them. It was like, because like they had you could tell they had no idea. How, I, like, I, <laughs> I you made my life difficult. I'll make your life difficult. I'm like okay, okay, but we were getting them every day for a little while. It was really funny. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was like the, the fact that they're indicted now. So I'm glad that scheme's done. I feel like there's so many of these that pop up though. And I'm not at all in the MLM world, so I have no idea. Like, that one caught my attention, but there are not... I think there's probably 30 others that never will. You mean, like, MLM stuff that's separated from... That's like Crypto Ponzi's, you know? Or, or Crypto Ponzi themselves, because, like... Like, I, I think there's a lot of MLMs in general that have been around. And I think, oh, yeah. like, when something like Bitcoin comes around in the whole crypto space, one coin can really capitalize on it sure. because, you know... Vitamins are dead. Well, are there dead, is a new technology, or, or, and there are people yeah. that are really excited about it. And, and there is... Or saturated. You know, there, there there's stuff to it, but it's a new narrative to go well, off I've of also learned MLM. about I've also learned about these MLMers that they have no... They are completely apathetic about what they're selling. They just want to be able to use their network. Right, and and they they all assume I think that every MLM is an opportunity to get rich. So if the last one didn't make them rich, it's just kind of move on. So I don't. I wouldn't even be surprised if OneCoin Bob didn't know that Ruja was indicted, despite knowing absolutely every inch of news from OneCoin and uh, you know being super invested in it. I think that none of them are actually that invested. They'll just move on to the next MLM. Like once one, once OneCoin ended for him, he's probably moved on to the next. Right, thing. he's he probably, probably doing some other it. Ponzi scheme or something like that. Yeah. I mean, all of his all of his earnings were paper earnings. Yeah. He, I don't think he got a penny out of it. I want to know how much he made. Who? Ruja. Do you think she made a lot? Really? Where did all that money go? To her. She spent that on giant the funnel, dildos or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some really gaudy. So, so like golden golden dildos. Not yeah, I was thinking like shoes and like uh, <laughs> shoes. maybe shoes too. I don't know. <laughs> what like, the... like, We're here to arrest you, Rouge. I'm like, oh no! And then like they walk into her room and it's just like dildos everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I was picture some gaudy red satin all over, like uh, velvet all over the walls and shit. Yeah, a little like uh, some real bad taste. Some leather, expensive, just leather yeah. everywhere. Yeah, gold. Go- gold, gold leaf everywhere. Yep. Yeah. She she would be I don't know like, but I I wonder how much she made because you know I, I saw stadiums filled with people, but I feel like you need at least another level of people like getting sold to. Apart I'm thinking from those nine possibly ten figures she pulled. You think so? This. Just an insane amount because I think it funnels all the way down to. Do you think she was a mastermind or do you think she got fucked? I think she made nine figures at least. So whether or not she's a mastermind, she was. Well, that's that's pretty good. Nine yeah. nine figures. I think so. I think all the money went. The, everyone knew it was complete bullshit. Like, there's no way she was drinking the Kool Aid herself. Yeah. You know what's funny is every one of these uh, MLMs too that like the, the memery gets has their own sort of character. Like that one guy that's yeah. just very memeable. Mm-hmm. So OneCoin had this one guy. He was at the very top. He was like the the biggest MLMer that they got, and he was this kind of fat old man. 
who had a cane mm-hmm. with a skull top, and they would let him like headline all of their conferences. I kind of so remember, you remember this? You can go to YouTube and watch it. Yeah, and he like couldn't really speak; he was just absolutely retarded. Mm. Um, but he would get up there in like uh, you know like a penguin suit with his not not like a weird tuxedo and and his weird cane, and would make the announcements and like you know headline like and no. Ruja Ignatova, and you know she'd come out, and then there was another guy who had the leopard print suits that would make speeches, and he would say like Joel Osteen like things, but very loudly. The here is now. <laughs> it's your time, and they would have him speak every time, and you know it was it was a fucking production. Yeah, I I got I, I was amazed to watch the rise of one coin. Yeah, well, it's amazing to see. How many people like show up for shit like that yeah. <laughs> and get like really into it? Oh my god! Oh my god! It's also like it's also the energy of like be like I don't know. I feel like like people get swept up in it initially to like make money and like do a thing, but then it's like well, all these other people are here and we're all like well, did you see on that? the same boat together and it's it's like a lot of fun. Did you see the documentary on uh, on BitConnect in Australia? No. Oh, dude, that was you have to watch it. Yeah. It's like a 60 minutes thing. It goes through like uh, there's this one guy in Australia apparently who's like really a, like a big guy mm-hmm. in the BitConnect scene. And he got a lot of people to give money. And like there's some great moments in that documentary. Like they have a husband <laughs> they have a husband and a wife talking about it. Apparently the husband was like investing in BitConnect unbeknownst to his wife. And, and by investing, you mean all of all of his money. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Every dollar that he was making. Was going into this thing, so it was clear to me that like she had no understanding of like the family finances, right? And you know they they, they seem like they've reconciled, and you know they're like I was really mad when it ha- I was really mad when it happened, and we're working through it. And they're showing uh, you pictures know. of the young yeah. daughter, <laughs> yeah, like a two year old, like two year old, and we have kids, you know, and uh, and I'm just really glad it's over. And then the, <laughs> the interviewer goes, so so tell me, are you done with? Are you still investing in Bit cryptocurrencies? Or cryptocurrency yeah. still investing. And the guy looks and goes, well, I am. And she looks at him like, you, you, ah? <laughs> well, you know, a spare change. <laughs> we don't have spare change. <laughs> and everybody's like, uh, do, you, do you need a minute? Yeah. But it was—it's an amazing interview. Like for me, it showed the allure of this because this guy just got fucked. Doesn't know dick about any of this. Yeah, he gets out of BitConnect, loses everything, and then I don't know what he's investing. I, like that was to me the missed opportunity of the interview. They don't ask what he's it's doing. It's down ninety nine percent. Yeah, so. <laughs> with zero liquidity. <laughs> we, we know what that means. But like, he loses everything. Uh-huh. And he turns around, and then I don't like. I wish that they'd ask him what he's investing in. I bet he's investing in more Ponzi's. Well, there's probably well because we had one coin, we had BitConnect. There's yeah. probably been a bunch of others. Do you think he has? There's any probably coin? there's probably a bigger and the next big one is probably going on right now. Oh yeah, like there, it probably. I don't. What I don't number know what do it you is, think but, on Coin Market Cap? His like, uh, do you think he has anything ranked in the top 100? Oh man! Because all of it's out of the top 100. I I would page six. I would bet that ninety percent. Like, page six I would bet coins. Ninety percent. Page six coins. <laughs> so uh, what, what, what page of coins you invest in? It. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fucking it. I, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if 99% of what he's investing in is not on coin market cap. Is not all. even on. Yeah, there? I, yeah, I bet you. Like <laughs> what I'm, what I'm, what I'm investing in is so, so lucrative. It's so secret. It's, so it's secret. not it's even on Coin Market Cap. <laughs> Remember when Coin Market Cap listed? They listed one coin for a while, didn't they? I think they did. Well, there was a time when it, there was like ten, They're twenty fucking coins there. <laughs> I think they. I think that you have to pay them to be on there. And then I think like I, I know BitConnect was on there for a long time. Yeah, BitConnect was. Did someone pay Grin's fee? I, I, uh, uh, don't, I don't know, know if anybody, you either pay them or if, or they if, like if you have liquidity, they'll, they'll offer. I think yeah. like Grin's kind of a... I don't think they disclose either. So, you know, I, whoever owns that site, I think it's one guy in like Long Island also. So like... Well, they did it. There was a report that came out yeah. about him like a year yeah. or two ago. Yeah, I know. Sound like he had a team by now. But he's probably making that Ruja money. Yeah, I, mean, I, I bet he is. Yeah. I, I, you think he has a team? Has he updated the site once in the last like four years? I think it's like all APIs. He probably logs in, like refresh. Okay, whew, it's still up. He kind of <laughs> thinks he's like you know like the Drudge Report model where it's just that's the it's final form. It yeah, it's, like, it's like don't touch it anymore. Would be would make it less. Like you want to get your coin on there, you got to like call his personal cell. <laughs> You're like Andrew, I want to get on Coin Market Cap, and he's like. Okay, you know, uh, send me a check. I hope he has a staff of three people running that whole thing. I hope he's a staff of zero. I zero, hope, yeah. I hope it's just him. Just him. That would be even better. I, I pray every day that that guy makes more money than God because <laughs> it, it, it is absolutely as drudge reportish as it gets because like, everyone sits there all day long. All day. And it's just a fucking API. Did you see that Jack uh, Dorsey got the lightning torch? Yeah. Well, he uh, he got all into... Lightning stuff and sure did. stuff, and then he went on Joe Rogan and did that episode with the uh, the lawyer and Tim Pool. Well, he did two episodes, I think. Uh, like, did we talk? Did, did he do the first episode? But the, the last time we had done a show, yeah. Okay, well, so but, then he did he, the second episode because everyone hated Joe Rogan for having him on the first time. The way that Joe d- did that show, he like didn't talk about any of the censorship, nothing. Mm-hmm. And the second time he brings on uh, what's her name, Vagina. Vagina. Twitter vagina. Vijaya God Agade. Vijaya Gade. Vijaya. Vija. 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 And uh they, t- they talked a lot about like uh they they went through like Tim Pool brought them through all of the censorship stuff. Which I thought was great. Yeah. Really a good episode. Well, it was good that they he brought a lot of that up. He did a good job in really stating the case that Twitter is censoring with a bias. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of times where I saw like Jack's eyes get big, kind of surprised at some of that stuff. Didn't know what he didn't know. But then on the other side, he's on Twitter. Like uh, I think he's just distracted. I actually don't think Jack knows anything about what's going on at any of his companies. With the like, because he clearly has entered the Bitcoin wormhole, and we know what happens when that when that happens. You, you got to quit your job. You have point. to go. Yeah, you have to start like. <laughs> he's yeah. gonna lose. He's gonna. He's you have to throw your quit, job in the Bitcoin mountain. It. You have to like quit everything. Quit girls. Yeah. You can't have a girlfriend. In the span of a week, he ordered a casa node, uh, wrote his name on Satoshi's place, ordered a Trezor. I mean, the the progression, the timeline is there. Oh it's, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like that's indicative of someone spending many hours. Yes. A day. And the, here's the thing about him uh, that I'm surprised by. I, I haven't heard his I pooped my pants after reading Satoshi's white paper story yet. 
Everybody's got one of those except him, so we have to find that out. Well, he started at the Casa node, so he's going kind of in reverse. I think. I think that. <laughs> <laughs> and someday I'll get to the. Yeah. You know what's amazing? I've, I, I, no one seems to be criticizing this, but he keeps saying. I, I've heard him repeat it numerous times that blockchains are going to make the in, the future of the internet very different. You'll never be able to delete content, etc. Like, where's he getting this shit? That part of I've heard him. A few he said times, that twice. That I, I heard that, that on Harris. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, really you hear that narrative being spun. You know the technology behind. But this Bitcoin. guy stuck his dick all the way into Bitcoin. He seems to understand what the tech is, and then all of a sudden takes this like divergent, like left turn. Well, you said that he might be in fear that a immutable version of Twitter is around the corner. And it could be, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, we know how stupid that sounds. So, in other words. That's stupid is coming from somewhere. Yeah. Like, he's, wherever he's, like, we, it's cool. He's like, is Bitcoin. he talking to Ned Flanders over at Steam? Right. Or, yeah, Ned Flanders. <laughs> 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 or, like, or, or who? Like, who's, who's, who's talking to him about, like, all this, like, bullshit blockchain right. shit? Because he, he, seem, he seems he like, like, people bring up Ethereum. They're like, Jack, please look at Ethereum. He's like, no, fuck you. He's, like, very quick to dismiss Ethereum. And yet he's somehow on this, like, kick about, like, Content will be made immutable by blockchain. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a more subtle. It's it's a, it's a subtler thing he says, amidst like being apparently very pro Bitcoin. That's what I don't get. Like, but you can hear it, and I I went back and listened to it after like we're uh, just that part. That part blows my mind, and it's it's weird to hear him mention it, because right? He, because he's he's like in the thing about Tim Pool, like and like like mentions like blockchain technology is coming and it's going to change everything and like we have to be ready for it like but it's like how how is it how do you think no one presses him on it because nobody knows how i think it's really interesting that nobody he's been interviewed by yet seems to know how to push back on the blockchain stuff nor that they even should because to me all of this interviewing that he's doing seems premised on this notion that blockchain is like going to change the world in this way Mm -hmm. i think that's why he's doing these interviews because like uh he somehow is of the opinion that like censorship will not be possible on a blockchain therefore like their censorship efforts are you know uh sort of just never gonna matter right okay they're gonna be rendered useless yeah and i i think that that's i that's that's my reading on what he's doing and if that's the case what happens when he finds out that uh that in fact, that's not what a blockchain is going to be good for. Well, he's going to be like, well, I guess we do have a... I guess we can censor. I guess we can censor. <laughs> but it's kind of weird that he's like thinking that like this uncensorable blockchain is coming. And, he, and he's not necessarily like in favor of that. Right. right? Like, is that is that the... I don't know that if he's not in favor of it or is. Like, he doesn't seem to like render an opinion on it. Mm. But it just comes, it comes concomitantly with his love and uh, black... or. Uh, Bitcoin blockchain like wormhole ponderings, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're together. They're coming at the same time. So I don't know. I, I it, it's weird to me that he would of all people would think that because I would think that Jack would be able to parse how stupid that claim is. Alas, you'd think, but like, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, there's so many people singing that song. I, I, it doesn't surprise me that people believe it. But then, how did he not end up on like Ethereum? Right, like how 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 can he how can he dismiss Ethereum, embrace all the things going on with Bitcoin to co- to make it like 
be like in the Bitcoin maximalist camp and understand that argument, but to still think that it, like w- blockchain is going to have an effect on what he does and a bunch of other these social yeah. media companies by like speech and censorship and stuff. And he's getting on this so, podcast with Bitcoiners, and none of them are asking him the question. Didn't he do what Bitcoin did? I think he did Marty Bent's podcast. Yeah. Like nobody seems to be asking. Like, like Jack, where's the skepticism on that? Mm. Blockchain for content. Come on. And you said, or he he tweeted out something, or maybe it was in that interview where he made a reference to like Google and Apple and Facebook, and he didn't refer to them as like his competitors, but his uh, what was the word? His peer companies. Peer companies. That that made me think that maybe they're like putting together some weird like permissioned blockchain, which is fucked up. Yeah. Well, it's a weird thing for the independent of the blockchain. It's a weird thing to kind of refer to those companies as pure. Companies, yeah, they're they're right? fucking competitors, Jack. But like, couldn't I mean? Couldn't it be like that's just how they all want to refer to each that's other? That's fucked because up. Like, they're could you imagine like aging, IBM, like with know. Gateway, like our, our peer company Gateway? They make computers. We make computers. We get ideas from each other. We get in a room. We talk. It's so nice. Like peer companies, that screams antitrust to me. Like it screams it. They're competitors. Mm. They're they're competing for eyeballs. Like I don't think Netflix could get in a room with the the makers of Fortnite, given that they compete for eyeballs. Like they're in the same goddamn business, even though they're not like that related. One makes video games. One makes videos. Mm. But they're the same business. Oh yeah. Well, I heard I heard a statement from someone on Netflix that said that they were like our biggest competitors Fortnite. Right yeah. Now. And it's because, and from their perspective, the, the business and competition is people's attention. How many hours are you going to so, spend on Fortnite? Now, I will tell you, you can <laughs> you can play Fortnite and watch Netflix at the same time. It's possible. <laughs> You'll be a bad uh, Fortnite player, but you will be. You can do both. Yeah. But I, I think they're competitors, just like these companies. How are Twitter, Facebook? I mean, Facebook and Instagram are often viewed as competitors. Even though they're owned by Facebook, right? Both of them. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, ah, oh, everyone's leaving Facebook for Instagram. I'm like, well, that's that feels <laughs> like not important news. Yeah, uh, it's just like kind of like okay. Sounds like it sounds like it's working out. You're for leaving them. Facebook for <laughs> Facebook, okay? But you know, those two companies are competing for users, and they're they're owned by the same parent company. Mm-hmm. How can you tell me that Twitter is not competing for users with Facebook, competing for logins with YouTube? Like, we disseminate information via Twitter, so there's links to these places, but they're competitors. They're not peer companies. Mm. It's really creepy language. And when I hear the CEO of, like, a a major tech firm use that word, I I mean, it just brings me back to Bill Gates and, uh, you know, Netscape in the 90s. You go watch the deposition of Bill Gates. It's It's a phenomenal piece. It's, like, seven hours long, so you can put it on 2x speed and watch it in three, three and a half uh, and you know, he basically they take him they take him through sort of the entirety of Internet Explorer versus Netscape, mm-hmm. and they ask a lot of questions like, do you talk or do you collude? Do you talk to the people at Netscape? You know, do, and it's very clear to me that he's cutthroat. He views them as competitors. Well, when they add a feature, we add a feature. You know, we know about the features they're adding because we're always looking at it. And we want to, like, make sure we have feature parity, you know, stuff like that. And so it's very clear to me, clear, very obvious, that they didn't view themselves as peers. They viewed themselves as competitors. Mm -hmm. And that's what these platforms are. And it's even weirder when when you call them peer companies and you have competitors like Gab showing up and then getting to platformed on them. Yeah, well... 
Because if they're peer companies, they're like, what's no nothing wrong with collusion? We can collude. Right. We don't compete. We're peer companies. Yeah. You're breathing into the mic. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought you were pointing to my nose. Like I was pointing to your nose. And it's weird if they're like working on some type of blockchain shit, or they think they're working, whatever they think they're working on. Well, I just I, I think of like what they're going to do with like a blo- like a, a permissioned blockchain together, which is just a database. What are they going to like create like a social media OFAC list? Mm. Like that that's the only use I can think of. Like, oh, we banned this user, so let's all do it. We all agree. Like, do you, do you come to consensus on who you're going to like let go? Yeah. That's what casinos do. Like, if you're a blackjack counter. Oh yeah, casinos do this. There's, the model's there. Yeah, they got that like black book, don't they? Isn't it the yeah. famous book? They'll ban you from all properties and share your name with other properties. Oh, so you you're you're a guy that fucks one casino, the others yeah. will yep. actually. Oh yeah, they, they actually share that info. There's a famous book. I don't think they use a book anymore. I'm sure, it's electronic. But there was a famous like black book that they would deliver to all the casinos with everybody who'd like been banned with all their pictures and stuff. Huh. Do they uh do they do the casinos compete any differently than like other businesses? Like are they do they share any other info or that's kind of it? That's kind of it. I and I don't I don't know I guess the way I don't know that they share info with other casinos, but for example, like if you get banned from Harris properties, that's like half the strip or you know it's, mm. it's uh there's only like uh like two or three major parent companies of all the the ones that you've heard of essentially. Mm. You see that? Uh, I mean, on the on the other side of like creepy shit, the Coinbase Neutrino acquisition. We never talked about that. Oh, the uh, the team that they yeah. apparently acquired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Holy shit! So I mean, like since our last show, there was this whole movement, the delete Coinbase thing, where everybody was like getting off Coinbase because Coinbase acquired this company called Neutrino, mm-hmm. and the founders of Neutrino are a a group of guys who were on what are they, the hacking team. It was called like the hacking group or the something. The hacking, I think it was the yeah. hacking team. The hacking and team. Uh, they they apparently are like very responsible for like the death of journalists and the number of other things with like these third world countries sharing information. And, you know, so Facebook comes to this agreement and basically Facebook said they needed to acquire them <laughs> because their third party uh, provider used to, was selling all of their user information. Yeah. They came out and said that, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. And that uh, fucked up. Yeah, that is fucked that, up. To me, that seems like the news. Yeah. Like, it, how is Coinbase not, like, and isn't that them admitting to selling third-party was that, information? Was that an accident to release that information? In I that don't think matter? it was an accident. I just don't think that they, like, thought they were culpable at all. But I, I can't imagine they're not culpable. Like, I didn't agree to have you sell my shit. If you're with a third-party data provider and they're selling my shit, that's on you. That's not me. Like I like, come on, Coinbase. What the fuck? Well, other than essentially firing them and bringing on a new team, what what should they do in that situation? They should have fired them, but like they should they, they should have done their due diligence. Like what's funny to me is the problem there is the the claim is that these third parties or this third party was selling data, right? And so Facebook had to let them go. Well, first of all, why didn't Facebook let me know that they were selling third-party data right away when they found out, right? So why wasn't there, like, an announcement made? We've just discovered that this such-and-such such has been selling third-party data. Um, we don't know. We, we, did, we, well, we weren't aware of it uh, until now. We find it deeply troubling, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Instead, they, like, make this acquisition. 
Okay, and the acquisition kind of falls apart, so they have to let the people from hacking team go. They're transitioning them out, whatever that means. Means they're gonna just work with them as consultant capacity, right? And what did they say? They said the reason that they, this acquisition happened was because their due diligence was lacking. Well, isn't that the problem with the first company that they'd hired to do this? Wasn't the problem due diligence? Yeah. I mean, it's the same problem that they Yeah, so like <laughs> the due diligence of like picking a third-party provider is lacking, so you pick this shitty third-party provider. So what do you do? You hire someone to like occupy the spot of the third-party provider and your due diligence sucks. Coinbase, fucking A. Like holy shit. It's really fucked up, I think. I didn't delete them though. <laughs> what is behind the Delete Coinbase transactions. What's behind the the push to <laughs> to attempt to monitor all of the coins that leave their platform and go out into the wild? I think it's because the way that I mean, I, I, well, there's a number of reasons. Number one, coin the way that Coinbase constructs transactions matters a lot because there's so many transactions coming from there. Okay. So, for example, when Coinbase started sending out their trans their transactions in batches, remember how much uh, how much transaction volume disappeared? It was like sixty percent of the transaction volume. It was a huge amount. Yeah. So that's probably one reason. I think Coinbase is number two. Coinbase has been extremely irresponsible with how they handle transactions in the past. Yeah. Number three, Coinbase is one of the few points of entry where you can like know the name and number of the person. You know, they, they KYC. So you know you know whose coins those are. Well, not necessarily if you're just analyzing. Well, but Coinbase knows whose whose coins is, those are. If you're trying to analyze coins and find out who's who, you have a really good amount of data. Yeah. You also have like, yeah, but why? I, I can't imagine them on their own caring that much to want to track like what happens to their coins. You know, one, two, three, four months. You know, one, two, three, four hops after they leave. Their I think platform. they're obligated to know like one or two hops or something like that. But I mean, if that's all it is, and and I guess the the, the other half of the question I would have is: Are these are these surveillance companies essentially scamming the exchanges by promising something that is undeliverable? I don't think it is undeliverable right now. I think it's undeliverable in the future. Well, Maybe kind, like kind with, of with confidential transactions. Yeah, and like and there's other. I mean, there's a lot of different things to talk about that will increase privacy and fungibility in right. general with transactions. But like they're selling. So, for example. Um, I'm not, don't ask me the details. I can't explain this very well. But there's a there's a there's a there's a, there's a, there's a typical there's typical, a, typical Sean. Sean. Yeah, uh, there's a uh, really good blog uh, by Join Market. Uh, the guy's name is Adam Gibson, I think, um, and he's written a lot of really good, interesting technical stuff. But uh, there's a coin join type called PayJoin that is kind of in the works. So it's kind of like an evolution of how coin joins work. Yeah, I mean, you're familiar with like the general concept of coin, you know, yeah. just coin mixing. Um, and it seems like a lot of these companies have like general like probabilistic heuristics. I don't, I don't know a lot about how that works, but like general numbers and figures for how to link transactions and whatnot. And then if you can essentially break those heuristics and make them kind of like useless in analyzing transaction data, then you have a good way of kind of distorting what they're doing and yeah. creating more fungibility. So it's like, it, it could be like, for example, chain analysis. What are they doing internally? What do they have? What do they know? Um, they probably like have a lot of like, Maybe they're selling probabilistic things like you know we we think there's like an eighty percent chance that like this guy and this guy are linked somehow or like right. the transactions are linked and then you develop a bunch of metadata to kind of get an idea of like where things might be you know 
going or, or, or coming to. Like, I remember, uh, but, but basically that stuff can get obsoleted from one week to the next. Too, in a way, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you would think yeah. so, but you know what? We've been waiting for confidential transactions for a long time in Bitcoin, and they're still not here. So, like, I, I guess there's just still, you know, reason for it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things, too, though, that we don't know. Uh, it, like, it's hard because in some ways we're relying on the promises of programmers to tell us that these things are actually true. Like, th- look at Monero, right? Is Monero confidential? Well, we were told it was. But it really wasn't until like in, until 2017, like what is it, 60 or 70 percent of transactions weren't using the ring signature function, or, or weren't or using, they, it or well. using it well <laughs> enough to actually obfuscate the transaction. And even until like just that. recently, you could basically identify which coin uh, belonged to which wallet, even with the ring signatures, by just looking at the age of the outputs. Like, I mean, it's difficult because we're trusting programmers who frankly don't have necessarily a background in stats. That's what really bothers me about this stuff. Like, oh, yeah, we're completely secure. There's no way you can break the ring signature. And we're like, okay, maybe. But, like, let's let's maybe let a statistician look at these and figure out what's actually true about these statements. Because, you know, maybe you are implementing ring signatures, and maybe ring signatures are, you know, infinitely... You know, recursive, and it's impossible to figure out who owned what or where the transaction came from. Or maybe that's not true at all. Maybe that's maybe that's a stupid belief, and it's really difficult for you to know or me to know. And a large part of it is because, like with Monero, it mattered that other people on the network were not behaving appropriately. Like they were making they were making decisions about transactions that didn't obfuscate their identity. Thus, it didn't obfuscate your identity. And does that matter to me? I mean, I'm not the one using Monero, but I bet it matters a lot to the people who thought Monero was private. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, it could be obsoleted. We just don't know when. And then how obsolete? I don't know. Like, I think it's up to these companies. I think Coinbase and these others are are doing these things so that they can say, like, we're doing our best in part, right? I don't think that Coinbase actually cares to track I think they just, they have to. They're they're covering their ass as best as they probably can. Right. They're trying to act in good faith. Um, Yeah. And a lot of that probably just deals with the transactions that are, you know, directly leaving. So, you know, people people hear stories of of obvious dumb shit people have done where they've sent from Coinbase to a known. Well, the gamblers had a huge problem with that. They would, not knowing any better, send straight uh, from From Coinbase Circle and Coinbase to, to the gambling sites and then would get banned. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, I think what Coinbase would do is they would open accounts at some of these gambling sites, deposit a small amount, and track where that went, and saw if any of those coins ended up together. Well, that's a lot of the stuff too. Is like these chain analysis type things are developing yeah. heuristics to determine who's generating these addresses, right? So they can tell often what kind of device, like it's a Trezor or it's a Ledger or whatever. Is uh, developing is is in fact the thing that you know someone's using to do, to to make these addresses, and you know they can probably even tell if you're using some other program, and maybe only thirty percent of people use this program, and uh, a majority of them are you know uh, nitrogen sports, it's something like that. I don't know, but I do. It's it's kind of interesting to look at, and I think that they're pretty quickly able to unwind where these like markets are. You know which, well, what which you, addresses are which. I mean, what if you deposited on Nitrogen Sports, bet both sides of a game, and then just deposited new? I mean, withdrew new coins altogether. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Seems like a pretty simple, like uh, I've never tested it, but like way. I, I'd be. I, I don't know why they don't just like pull their money out of Coinbase. You know, send it a couple hops, either mix it or not mix it, uh, but send it a few hops. 
So and I've, then, I've heard and that then four, use it. yeah, four hops is kind of what they did, and I, and then I think Nitrogen Sports handled their deposits differently too to make it harder. They probably did four hops on their side or something, but uh, you know, I guess part of the thinking is too is while that might be good enough for today's chain analysis, chain analysis, you know, a couple of years from now that might not be good enough. Well, my presumption is yeah. that all of these things are going to probably have to do like cat and mouse. Mm. And I actually like Chainalysis because, like, if we don't know, think about it. Chainalysis is this company that everyone can use. Everyone can look at exactly what they're doing. So the data is public. I mean, it's not public, oh. but like, it, you could go, you could go get an account if you wanted. Oh, I see. Yeah, the data comes out enough where generally people have an idea. I would ra- of what I, doing. right. I would rather that be developed in the light rather than like by the CIA or the NSA or something like that, and we just have no idea it's happening. I would rather be able to see what we are capable of tracking on these chains rather than like having somebody in the government doing this without anybody's knowledge and us just having no idea. And then all of a sudden, I would, knock, knock. I would bet that's going on too. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But at least with chain analysis, we get an idea of like what's possible. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a much better world. I mean, but my favorite thing though about the neutrino acquisition, by the way, is a Jesse Powell coming out with Kraken and just starting to like cast shade on like on Coinbase. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed so hard. Well, he's he's come out like uh, full throttle on. You did, yeah. He came out on the quadra quadra quadragax. Oh, he's he's offering and money if you can find the coins. Yeah, that's well, great. I like I like, uh, I, I like Bitcoin people. Yeah, I mean, he, well, because like it's so it's so like fuck my competitor like like. These guys suck. Well, I also think it's funny because like, like, people get know. really scared of like mentioning brands. Like, oh, I can't say Wells Fargo because they'll sue me. Yeah. And like, okay, but like in the, in this space, it's like, ah, Coinbase, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you get it amongst like, I mean, most Bitcoiners hate Coinbase at this point. <laughs> but you also have like Ledger and uh, Trezor going at each other, finding like vulnerabilities and like talking about like how the other is like insecure and all this other shit. There have been a few of those coming out within the last... Uh, like one recently, and then like a few months ago, right? Um, but that's that's kind of awesome. Like that's, but like that's that's how like you need you need that type of like animosity and like toxicity or whatever. You need the toxicity. It's it's, 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 it's the first it's, layer of Bitcoin. It is. It's the first layer of Bitcoin, and that's also what makes it more. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, resilient. You know, it makes it something. Yeah, but yeah, the privacy stuff. I mean. There's a lot of things like on the horizon that are gonna help with privacy in different ways and like at different layer, you know, parts of how one would do a full Bitcoin transaction. And it's coming, and, and like it seems like it's gonna be very effective. It's just a matter yeah. of getting it in. And then it's like, well, you know, what do we have now? If you want to do something like that, or if you want to rely on more private transactions, then how do you do it? Like. You know, the first example I can think of is like uh, like the Wasabi wallet has CoinJoin, and it's not easy to use, but it's probably simpler than... Yeah, they got a ricochet feature where... In Samurai wallet, Samurai, they do it. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll hop it four times. Because so I would think, too, using these tools in combination with one would exponentially increase the privacy, I guess. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you don't... Uh, you you might have a you know an idea of like if you wanted that what, how this, how how much you need to do if you want. Let me that. ask you if this stuff works almost too well. Is that when governments will freak out and require you to declare any addresses that you possess control of? Well, that's the thing. Like Canada just uh, sent out that weird thing from their version of the IRS 
to all of the people that they think are Bitcoin users. Do you see that? Mm-mm. They sent out a form asking people to like disclose all their addresses and stuff like that. A lot more information uh-huh. than that. It was. Uh, have you ever used a mixing service? What exchanges have you used? What wallets? What do addresses? You use? I mean, I like Pierre Rochard's thing. He's like, yeah, Bitcoin users, like, okay. And then uh, generates a million addresses from a single private key every single day and sends it over in, in a CSV. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's correct. That's, that's exactly what a Bitcoin user would do. Like, here they are. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> here are my addresses. Watch them. <laughs> That'd be a funny, like, easy, like a funny wallet feature. Just generate addresses and send them. So uh, I, I actually... Uh, do you guys want to have Maxim Lot come on the show? Who's that? He's he's a he, he's former producer of Stossel, but he's the one that also runs the uh, trade site thing. Electionbettingodds.com. Election we could talk a little bit about Andrew Yang. Yeah, that's it. All right. Um, okay, let's do that then. He, he's actually available right now. Okay, so we have Maxim Lot here. Maxim, you uh, t- tell us about yourself real quick, and then let's. Uh, I really wanted to talk a little bit about like the Andrew Yang betting odds stuff because. Uh, you actually run a kind of cool website. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's called electionbettingodds.com. Uh, I run it with John Stossel. And basically, we, uh, we take odds from websites where people are betting lots of money on who will win, win elections. Uh, so we've got the Democratic primary. We've got who will be president. We've even got when Brexit will happen. Never. Um, uh, never is at about 22% right now, which, surpri- <laughs> which surprises me. I would actually bet on that. Really? Um, uh, yeah. If, yeah. Because uh, that seems too low, right? I agree with you. It's probably never going to happen. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So, so Kevin's actually been watching the odds on the president stuff. So, Kevin, what were you just saying? Oh, uh, his odds have been going up. Uh, pretty quite dramatically since the uh, since the memes have been rolling out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so he's at five percent on electionbettingodds.com right now, which is I, I listed him um, last weekend, and then he was at about three percent. So he's been moving up, um, and that's pretty high. Like he's in number fifth. He's the fifth um, highest scorer on the Democratic primary. Uh, right after O'Rourke. Um, and now on the American betting site called predicted.com, he's even higher. He's at like 11% chance of winning nominations, Fuck. which is pretty high for someone who no one's ever heard of. <laughs> Not no one, but most people in America haven't heard of him yet. You arbitrage that. Um, yeah, Kevin's saying that you can arbitrage that. Well, no, but like election. So you guys are an index, right? Or are you, where are you pulling the uh, numbers from? The uh, odds on our website right now are from Betfair because that's the most liquid place right now that has the most uh, trading and the lowest speed. Um, now, uh, Predict It, uh, has, they cap you at $850 per contract. So that makes it a little less efficient because you can't, uh, you can't have big investors kind of correct the market if that makes sense. So, like, if an army of Yang supporters wants to boost his price, uh, they can do that on Predict It. And the only thing that can stop them is, like, another army of people saying, no, this is too high. So uh, you can't have one big whale correct it. And that's why – I think that's why it's so high. Is, is that because of, uh, like, rules, regulations? It is, yeah. Yeah. So they agreed to do that. 
uh, as part of their kind of deal with the government to like allow them to operate. So we'll just be like less good. <laughs> uh, less, uh, yeah. Well, they'd they frame it and say, you know, this uh, there's less chance for manipulation and stuff like that. But it also makes it less less of a liquid real market. So there's a trade-off. Interesting. So what do you what do you think of Andrew Yang? Like we 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 watch a Joe Rogan. I mean, you watch it, right, Sean? Most of it. The Joe Rogan. Did you watch it? I did. Yeah. So like we've all seen the Joe Rogan podcast. I was telling him I'd heard of him a little bit beforehand, but like I think it was like a YouTube interview like a year year and a half ago, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like I I don't find him that exciting or interesting. But like now he's he's out there basically talking about UBI and everything else. Um, wait, 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 do you want a President Yang? <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to endorse anyone. I find him interesting, though, in that he's kind of running on this single issue, which is uh, very popular right now. And it's uh, um, like he's very good at selling this issue and bringing attention to it. Uh, I think there are a lot of reasons that are sometimes overlooked for why one might not like universal basic income. Right. Like it's pretty obvious why you would like it. Um, reason <laughs> <to guess. laughs> um, I like it. The reason, yeah, a lot of money, twelve thousand a year, not bad. Um, the re- one reason against it, which I didn't uh, even think of until I uh, until a while after I heard of universal basic income, is that so you give people these money, this money, and you're going to have some people who just spend it all on drugs or whatever, uh, gambling, whatever. Um, <laughs> and they, um, and then they're out of money again. They're back on the streets and, and people say, you know, we can't tolerate this poverty. We have to have a program to help them. And then you end up with basic income plus food stamps and health so, services so you, and yeah, all the stuff we have now. That's a pretty normal criticism of UBI is that it only works if you get rid of all of the welfare state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this well, this, so this kind of adds to on top of that. Even if you got rid of the welfare state, you're going to get the welfare state back because people aren't going to tolerate having people out on the streets if, um, and, and lacking food or "quote unquote" basic human rights. Yeah, what would you spend your twelve thousand dollars on, Kevin? <laughs> I, I would go to JG Wentworth and get eight grand today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can imagine the commercials right now. It's like, call JG Wentworth, sell your UBI today. It's my money. I want it now. <laughs> so, Maxim, are you part of the Yang Gang? Uh, I'm not part of the Yang Gang, but I was very interested to see when I posted on electionbettingodds.com, there were a lot of Yang Gang people tweeting about that, and they were very excited. And it really showed me that there is like a real kind of grassroots uh, online community that really loves them. So that'll that'll get him a lot of attention, I think. Yeah, I think it's mind blowing. He really went from like zero to hero. <laughs> yeah. Based on and and okay, so here's how quickly before he gets associated with like the alt right. That's a good question. I think it'll be, you know, he himself is not like. Don't write at all. He's, an, he's a complete liberal, control. right? Right, right. So I don't think it'll ever stick, um, but I'm sure there will be a lot of alt-right trolls. 
thing they support. 1K away keeps the alt-right away. <laughs> 1K a day. <laughs> Kevin, and, Kevin and Sean have been, like, uh, consuming the memes. Like, like I, have, I yeah, couldn't I've, believe. I've seen they have, like, a dragon meme of him that kind of looks like Pepe the Frog, is my understanding. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, That's a Pokemon yeah. dragon. That's it's a Pokemon dragon? Or, is it, like, Charizard? I think Maxim would know if it was a Pokemon dragon. Yeah, maybe not. That's interesting. I, I've been I've been amazed by it. Okay, so are you are you kind of surprised by the the, the interest in in the site? Because I know you put that up what four years ago, five years ago. Uh, yeah, twenty fifteen. Um, I, I the interest has been very good. We've had more than eight million views total uh, since then. So uh, I yeah, I'm glad people are finding it useful. Is that site so, your version of there, Yang Yang uh, Yang Bucks? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's no other place. Like, if you go to these betting sites, they're like, oh, Yang has uh, 12 over 69 chance of winning. And it's like, you know, that means nothing. So uh, so that's the point yeah. of electionbettingodds.com is you can just get it. 5% just tells you. But, uh, that is the best thing English, about English. your site because all the, especially the British sites, they use, you know, there's a, there's fractions, decimals. Yeah, they use the metric system. Yeah. So, so 69% <laughs> there doesn't mean the same thing. Well, no. no like your, your, The odds format is different for Euro, Asian, and American. Yeah. We, it's all completely it? different. And, and none of it translates into anything that a normal person will understand. So that site, you know, makes it very simple, easy to understand. 12 over 60. Couldn't you just do 12 69ths? Total well, divided by 69 or no? Well, like horse racing, they it's do like fractions. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that's a different yeah. format. So yeah. interesting. In Asia, they use decimals, and in the United States, we use money lines. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, that's stuff I never thought of actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, welcome to the world of internet gambling. Right. Well, yeah. I think. I, I mean, do you do you uh, do you ever look at the gambling stuff online? Um, you mean? I mean, obviously, that's what's connected to the site. Or do you mean other gambling? Well, just just generally. I mean, like, okay. So, so just just to give some background, Maximum I, uh, and I met on a, uh, at a at a dinner after I met some of his friends at a bus or on a bus. Oh yeah, very ra- very randomly. Yeah, on the way to to Boston. Uh, so, you know, we've we've been talking about Bitcoin since I don't how long, Maxim? Twenty twelve. Yeah, I think we first mentioned it in a blog post in twenty eleven. So a while. Yeah, so like, we're, I mean, we've been looking at this stuff, and I, I think Maxim is not unaware of sort of the uh, dark corners of Bitcoin, right? So I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's why I'm asking Max, which just like, what are you? Do you look at any of the Bitcoin betting stuff, like the betting culture? Uh, just because to me, like, while we have the dark markets in Bitcoin, the more interesting stuff for me is the gray markets, like the betting, mm-hmm. uh, the the nitrogen sports and stuff like that. Yeah. And there are Bitcoin markets where they bet on elections. They're not as they don't have as much trading as the like U.S. dollar markets on it, but they do exist. And then maybe at some point I'll include them in an average on my website. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then you also have people just like uh, gambling, you know, casino like like double or nothing on this Bitcoin. Um, and so that exists too. And it's kind of interesting. I've never. I, I've, I've tried it, but I've never really uh, done that stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah. We're, that's kind of what we uh, we look a lot at. I think Kevin's 
more involved in like looking at the betting stuff than than I am. Yeah, but it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Like in terms, it's huge. Of, it's not as big as it's not as big as like the black market drug stuff that you see with Bitcoin, but it's still a lot of money being you, gambled. Kevin thinks it's actually higher. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, that that's not very by possible. a lot, which actually doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Do you think that on sports yeah, betting or on like what kind of betting? Um, probably a lot of it, but I think you know the sports betting is huge. If you, uh, there's really only like one or two major offshore sports books that don't accept Bitcoin and have it as their preferred method of deposit and withdrawal. Really, it's essentially, they offer usually like a ten percent bonus on deposits across, like the highest bonuses, the highest daily withdrawal limits are all Bitcoin. Really, at all the major sites. Interesting. Interesting. Um. Huh. And they yeah, don't have so any incentive stuff, to champion it. They, they, you know, they almost want to be quiet about it, especially if it works. Totally. There's no. Are they doing Litecoin or anything else? Or just Bitcoin, straight up. It's primarily Bitcoin. I would say ninety-five percent. Wow. Huh. Maybe ninety. That's just a guess. But uh, you know, if yeah. you go to a site called SBR uh, Review, SBR Odds, and you look at Bitcoin betting sites, they have them all there ranked, and uh, the the number of them will surprise you. Really. Yeah, I mean, like, how much money is bet on the Super Bowl and such? Just generally, no one knows. No really? one knows. But they, <laughs> the, the the ratio is that Vegas handles like one percent of the betting action, so you could extrapolate off that. Really? Yeah. And a lot. I mean, does a lot of that move to Bitcoin? Or is that, are we I not don't there know yet? Yeah, I mean, it definitely works, and there's a reason why they're all accepting it. So I, I just think it's quiet. No one, you know, you see activity on the forums, people talking about it, but. You know, people, there's no reason to spread the word, I guess. Like, yeah, no, the betting community is interesting because I feel like I actually know a number of gamblers, Maxim, and, like, I, I can tell you with certainty that, like, 98% of them hold Bitcoin. <laughs> like, it's some extreme it's amount, huge amount of, That's huge cool. amount. That's cool. Now, I'm curious, so my site, we only look at um, kind of uh, gambling Exchanges, which basically they work like a stock exchange. So um, you can bet on Yang, but you can only bet on Yang if there's someone else ready to bet against you, uh, against Yang. So the price moves up and down, like directly related to people betting. And then the alternative to that is kind of bookies, where uh, Ladbrokes or wherever will say, you know, we as a house will bet against you at these odds or we'll take either side at these odds. Um, so my side only looks at kind of the stock market type system on the logic that the bookies can set whatever odds they want. That's not totally, not very transparent. Um, and so, so that's why we use the market system. I think most of these gambling sites you were talking about, I suspect are more the bookie model, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, it's, it's a mix. It's all of them. It's really all of them. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, Patty Power is, like, the bookie type thing, right? Nitrogen's bookies. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Matchbook is another. Is I would actually be surprised. I'd be curious, Maxim, because, like, I would actually be surprised if the odds that uh, the bookies are making are that much different. They're typically They're not. generally not that much different, but they'll sometimes just be kind of off randomly. Yeah, I know that, like, they offer weird weird odds sometimes to, like, yeah. you know, get people in. Like, Patty Power did that Hillary Clinton thing. <laughs> right, right. They also had like a contract on is God real. They have some kind of ridiculous things that they can do because you don't need anyone on the other side of the bat. Is God real on both sides of the bat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's going to get weird if we find out that simulation theory is true. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a big payout for the betters on that. Yeah. <laughs> God is real and he's 16 years old. <laughs> All right, Max. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just I wanted you to come no, on and no. talk a little bit about, uh, about the site and give your opinion on a couple things. Yeah, it was fun. Good cool. talking with you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Maxim's got to be like the tallest guy I've ever met in my life. Really? He's, he's about, I, like, just to estimate, like, uh, throw it out there. Ten feet, <laughs> and that's just his dick. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, he's, he's, a, he's a really tall guy. He's super tall, uh-huh. very lanky, and like like surprisingly tall, like surprisingly. But yeah, very. Uh, I like him, and he's got that site. I mean, like, what's funny to me is Kevin's been using that site for a long time. Yeah, he, since he, it launched. Yeah, it's funny. I actually developed a competitor site to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, before the Trump election, really? Yeah, me and uh, that guy uh, Brian, that's in the. Oh, that's great. Group. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. What happened to that? Uh, uh, we did it too late. Like the election happened and it was over, and then you know interest in that type of site essentially dies down. It's kind of like the end of the season. Yeah, be careful. Like I wonder, I wonder what the stats are and like how he said eight million. Eight million people that's visited. Lot. Yeah, we had a pie chart that that kind of showed you like the percentage chance on in addition to the percentages. And I think we drew. I it, it, there's very good reason why he. I, I agree with his decision to draw his odds from that site because it's it's simple and you don't have to worry about it. But as I also agree with his point that as political betting is gaining in popularity and it's it's offered everywhere now. It was before it was a real exotic bet. Um, it might make sense to introduce some type of average because there is a little bit of a discrepancy between. That's interesting. Though, like on one site with without whales, you have eleven percent odds like that. What is Elizabeth Warren at then? If if, if he's at five percent, she was like four point six. Really? Yeah. She's at she's at four point nine. Yang 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 yang. What's that yeah. Iowa yeah. betting market where they give everybody three hundred bucks or something? Oh yeah, they they that? do that before the prime. I don't remember what it is. I, that's similar. It to might the be predictive. called the Iowa betting market. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's something like that. But I, that sounds similar to what Predicted's mm-hmm. trying to do. But again, the trade off makes it worthless. I mean, why even do it? I mean, the trade off right. it just it kills it. It's it's. Uh, Favorite meme, by the way, is Terminator. Have you seen that one? Which no. It says uh, it, it shows Terminator driving, and uh, it says the American worker over the face of the guy who's oh, like yeah. driving right behind. Oh, yeah, <laughs> as a truck's coming up, and Terminator <laughs> picks him up, and it says Andrew Yang. But like, Andrew Yang's doing for the American worker, and then a truck comes and crushes it, and it's like the motorcycle was saying Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta assume that most people haven't seen these memes yet, and I think his popularity is just gonna continue to increase. I, I think I, again, it's it's all like four chan type shit. Well, Eight yeah. chan, four chan. What, what happens when he's just like? He You're comes out and get $1,000 every month to a bunch of people who are like, that sounds I great. Love Fuck that. everything else. I lo- I'm an incel. Yeah. No, I'm kidding, guys. You're not all incels. <laughs> you know? But like, if you tell well, everyone they're going to get, get 1000 bucks, do, like everyone's going to be A-OK with that. Do you remember the memes that were coming out uh, when Trump was running in the primaries? Like, uh, like the can't stump. I remember, I remember the can't stump the Trump videos. Oh, yeah. Like a mashup of like can't him just completely Trump. owning... Everybody like that was back when like the debates with other Republicans and like he no one could debate him because like he would he was just doing the Trump thing then mm. and but there were a lot of memes coming out obviously like even leading up to that and then around that time and there was like that type of like that <laughs> that culture uh, 
it seemed like it had a huge impact, right? Quick, I mean, like, quick question though, like yeah. this the notion of giving everyone a thousand bucks a week. We have like three hundred a month. Yeah, three hundred ten million. Be really Americans. clear on the on yeah. the, the three hundred ten million Americans, right? Yeah. So isn't that three hundred ten billion dollars a month? It's something. It's it's in the the amount that they calculate per year is in the trillions. But you know what he's also <laughs> oh, do you, you know he's proposing a VAT tax, right? Well, that's good. Okay, I, I would. I, you, I think that's a good idea. What are your thoughts idea? on a VAT, like VAT in general? I'm like a, I'm a fan top. of the VAT. Okay, yeah, just like. But I don't not, think it changes things fundamentally. Like, I mean, it's just harder to hide money in a VAT system. I don't know how much we're losing on like tax leak, though. Okay, like is that is that because like. One of the ideas is like we're gonna, exactly we're, my, like, it's like we're gonna tax the shit out of Bezos and like that's how we're gonna pay for it. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> I mean, do you know how the VAT works? Um, kind of. I've 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 talked it's basically tax on businesses that are adding value in the supply chain or something. Yeah, it's it's like, really it's simple. If I you, give you yeah. if you buy a screw for me for twenty five cents, uh, then I pay the the VAT on the difference between like my raw materials and making the screw. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I profit three cents on that screw, I'm gonna pay a small amount on that profit. So you take that screw, you turn it into a, a giant sex machine, and you all the materials and everything else that goes into this machine cost three hundred dollars, and you sell it for a thousand. So now you pay the difference between what you paid for making the machine and like what you sold it for. And then the next person takes it, their Walmart, and they have a distribution chain. They put it in their stores. Walmart sells a sex machine. Uh, which is plausible, by the way, and they they charge instead of three hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, so they they pay the difference, right? Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's just like how much value is added throughout the supply chain from like beginning to end, and you just okay. pay pay the difference between what you paid and you know what you sold it for. It's a pretty simple tax. Okay, so it's so it's it's just it's a, it's a tax that structure it kind of structures it differently. It's not necessarily more or less or ba- or it's not worse or bad for businesses necessarily. Right. It's just it, 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 the idea is that it's an efficient tax. I mean, I, I don't. You know, I, there's a lot of. I think that you're going to end up hearing if someone's proposing a VAT, the conspiracy you'll hear is that companies like TurboTax work really hard to keep the tax code very complicated so that you don't have to pay taxes, which has been a thing that, you know, I've heard for years and years and years. Like, like it's a conspiracy to keep people thinking, like, or. Wait, yeah, so, like, like, you don't like, have so to TurboTax lobbies to make the taxes, like, way more complicated so that you uh, have to pay a company oh, that you to have them. to. Right, so that they actually which, have which might be business. true, but you know I like TurboTax. They have a nice software. Yeah. So, but no, I mean I, I think that I think that's probably the rhetoric that you'll start hearing from all of this, and you know you know whatever. I I, I don't mind the VAT tax. I don't think that it's a big deal. Um, I I just wonder how much we're actually losing by not like charging something efficient like that because most like most businesses are just going to have an accountant and a bookkeeper, and they're not paying like a huge portion of their. Uh, their their profits to these people they're just you know if they're complicated businesses it might get a little bit more expensive but if they're fairly simple businesses you know they're paying five hundred to a thousand a year to to do that stuff mm-hmm. you know which is inefficient but you know maybe it's maybe it's not egregious I don't mm-hmm. know I'd be very curious there's also this idea that like since uh you know since we since everybody loves to hate the Fed and our central banking or money uh, markets and how all of that works, and especially since they kind of innovated uh, how money can kind of be generated from a central bank since the financial crisis. Yeah. You know, oh, well, they bailed the banks out. Why can't we do $1,000 a month UBI yeah. for Americans? And it's like, well... Well, that's like my mom. Like, you just bought, you, you just bought like, this thing for you, honey. Uh, can I have that $10,000 dress? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, like <laughs> no, we, the money's gone. 
We spent it on yeah. food. Um, speaking of people losing their jobs, you see that the Dash blockchain laid off a bunch of people? Oh, yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw that. It was, I, it was, I think I saw that somewhere, yeah. Like, apparently, they're uh, in crypto winter. They're not able to survive. Yeah. Which makes sense, I guess. It's, I mean, it's, I, I think I it's a really common problem right now for like crypto businesses where they, they, they got really bloated. What did we see? We saw them. Uh, we saw uh, Shapeshift. And there's been a bunch of others that have had to lay like large numbers of people off because during the you know, bubble, they were hiring like mad. Entourage got too big. Yeah. The, like, I, that's what I'm wondering is like, what did you hire all those people to do? You gotta have a hairstylist on staff, right? Also, like a yoga instructor, yeah. a, a cook, <laughs> <laughs> Lambo cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> What's he do? He just cleans Lambos all day. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, like they're feeling it. I mean, I, I guess but I, it, it amazes me that you couldn't. Like it was really uh, exorbitant. Like everything was over the top, even for like Dash as a company or however they operate to like overhire and then need to lay off if that's the case. Like, right. You didn't. You didn't think like, well, yeah, like maybe we can sell off some Dash and we have billions of fucking dollars. But well, or, or, there's or, two or narratives need, here. There's there's the people that held on right and didn't sell anything, and then there's that other group of people that I meet who sold at the very very top everything they own. Like I, I never meet anybody who just like admits to losing money. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we sold at the top with twenty thousand dollars of Bitcoin. I was like, that's way too high. Sold everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, bud, you say so. But I hear that a lot. Like, I mean, that's a BitConnect thing, right? Like, uh, did you lose? Like, oh, the, the synagogue or the the mosque shooter. Yeah. Doesn't he claim he made money in BitConnect? Yep. And yeah. he used it to travel. Bullshit. I've met so many people that have made money in BitConnect. Never met anybody who lost money. Must have been the best Ponzi scheme. <laughs> There's no anybody pulled money no out. One, no one so took the money shoot, out. The shooter's claiming he made money from Bitcoin. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's in his first page of his manifesto. Bitcoin's so back-end loaded with rewards that, <laughs> you know, it's, I can't see anybody pulling money out of that. No one did. Yeah. Of all the s- scams. I mean, that whole thing, the whole goal of that one was keep your money in and you'll you'll be very rich. Just like one one coin, yeah. Same same premise, and, yeah. And I bet as many people cashed out of that. It's the same as like Madoff. Like nobody cashed out of Madoff. Like you go in there, you're like, okay, I'd like to pull my money out, Mister Madoff. And he's like, okay, but you can never come back. Yeah. Never. No one pulled any money out. Like it was very few people. It was a privilege to have your money in that fund. Yeah. <laughs> you're in the Madoff club. Made off with your money, um, but yeah, like BitConnect is the same way. It was it was like all back end rewards, and you don't touch that shit. And the number of people that have told me they cashed out, like they're like, "Well, I made a thousand bucks on it." Like, oh, if you say so, I don't believe you, not for a second. Mm. It's the same there. I don't I, like. I, I'm I'm very curious. The, it, it, have you looked at his manifesto at all? A little bit of it. It's very weird. Like it's all about like sowing dissent. Uh, he mentions a bunch of conservative bloggers. I think he says like subscribe. He does a subscribe to PewDiePie thing. Oh, he just really? mentioned yeah. his name to some capacity. I, I think he did the subscribe to PewDiePie meme. Really? Yeah. It's uh it, one one of the things that jumped out at me was he th- thought that in 27 years he'll be released because that's how long it took Mandela to get released and that he would be revered as a hero after this. Oh, that's whole, what he believes. After this plays out. That. Yeah, but Mandela didn't shoot up a mosque. I got news for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, oh, man. Oh, so they caught him. He didn't. Oh, yeah, they caught him. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. 
Or he didn't, he didn't. He live streamed the whole thing, Sean. I heard that. It's I heard. fucked. Is you... So is this video floating around now? Because I would assume that this is going to test the limits of their suppression in terms of being able to keep a, a video down. I, I haven't been able to find it. So maybe they did it. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I think I think they developed some really good astronaut like tools to like keep this shit out. It's gone. Like, I can't find it in Google. Can't find it on LiveLeak. Yeah. No like, Facebook. Like a Shazam that catches it's it playing and fucking gone. Immediately pulls it. Yeah, and I'm I'm watching a lot of the content around it. Everyone's saying they saw it. I feel like I'm the only one who didn't. I didn't see it. Yeah, probably better for us to have seen it. Yeah, it, it's apparently heinous. Seventeen minutes or something like that. Huh. Yeah. God. What do you think about that? Do you think that fo- footage like that is something that should be stripped from the internet, or, or should it be allowed in uh, certain corners? I'm not a fan of content censorship at all. I, I mean, it, I think that's evil and bad. I, I don't, I don't know what I think about, you know, someone airing that content. And and I do have a problem with like news giving these guys a name at all. Yeah. I think that that's a really big problem. But I, I don't, I don't know what the solution is because I don't have a place in my brain for content that should be censored. Which is maybe fucked. I, I don't know. But I, I look at that and I'm like, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's very, it's very, it's a difficult thing for me because I, you know, it, it does, it does sort of appeal to everybody's prurient sort of side. And it's, it's utter pornography. It's disgusting pornography. And I don't think that that is, necessarily good for your soul but as to whether like the content was made it was put out there i I don't know i don't know i don't know what this uh, what the answer is to that i haven't searched my own soul enough so you'd be comfortable with it being on a site like live leak but not on a facebook feed and like i think i would be comfortable with facebook deciding not to put it up on their site i'm weirded out that it's been suppressed everywhere else though like i i'm weirded out that you can't get it anywhere that 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 weirds me out. I, I mean, it's probably on tour, right? Like that's probably the only place you can really get it, um, and that weirds me out a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Anytime I see like content disappear, I'm weirded out because I think to myself like, okay, so they disappeared that. What else have they just disappeared? Well, there's a there's been a lot of talk mm-hmm. about Amazon doing digital book burning. Have, uh, well, yeah, a, like Tommy Robinson's book was like oh, uh, there was, was cut a out. whole yeah. new list. Uh, I think yesterday that got added. Really? Yeah. And, you know, uh, I forget who it was, brought up a good point that, you know, bookstores don't exist anymore. So there's really no place to get any of these anymore. Yeah. Amazon's where you have to go. They've made themselves. You know, you might have a Barnes and Nobles or something, but in terms of there's no other options. Right. But so then my question is, like, what did people do before to get the anarchist cookbook before Amazon? Because it's not like that was held in like Barnes and Noble. There's probably. I think before but torrents, even before the internet. I remember. I, I think maybe, maybe I was on maybe, AOL. What about like, like, like just small I... small bookstores? Like uh, I remember going to San Francisco a few years ago, and there was like an anarchist bookstore. They had like a, all these books, and I'm sure that like if they weren't sold some places at some point, you could probably find the book there. I mean, it's small. It's, it's just really hard to get. I, 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 how do people get those books in the past? I don't know. Like you mail, <laughs> you might do like a mail order to some yeah. company that like. Oh, yeah, we have. Well, I struggle with, like, reconciling this, this. Like, what did we do before with what do we do now? You know, because, like, in, in some ways, Amazon is the, you know, 10 million pound behemoth here. 
and they're putting bookstores out of business left and right. But meanwhile, there are bookstores you can get them at. It might just be difficult to find. I don't know. I, like It's almost like we've lost this willingness to have things that are difficult to find. And I don't know if that's good or bad. And I... At the same time, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's a very weird world because, like, it's very different than what it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, if a book was hard to find, it was hard to find. You had to, like, call around. Like, when I was a kid, I was looking for this book called Goat Husbandry. It was about how to raise goats. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I had to go all the way to, like, Dinky Town in Minneapolis and find it in this, like, antique bookstore. Were you interested in raising goats? I wanted to learn about raising goats. <laughs> And I, I, I found this book, and I bought it, and I have I have it on my shelf at home, uh-huh. all about goat husbandry, how to, like, uh, clip their nails and stuff like that. Mm. It's a very technical book, but, like, it was very hard to find, you know, and that was how the world was. I bet now I could find it in 100 places digitally or something like it, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Like, it's very, very – I know a lot also, about goats. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like the feigning goats. I would like to have a pack of those. Yeah, like, a, like in your apartment? Like, no, I'd like, have a house. Yeah. <laughs> Every morning I just <laughs> – dude. <laughs> dude, you'd have so much I don't so think that would ever poop. get old. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> Someone should make a, like, a, a, like one of those little robo-dogs, like a robo-fainting goat. And so you could literally have a pack that doesn't poop. That would be great. I bet you get off on that. Uh, yeah, it, like uh, it's another example of robots taking goats jobs. It really is. <laughs> Andrew Yang. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you see Fred Wilson complimented Steemit this week, by the way? No. Or like last week? He Compl- said it's a very interesting experiment. He's like very, it could turn into a real business. Really? Yeah. I'm very, like this, the Steemit thing kind of weirds me out. Like where... Where does that end? Because it seems it seems completely stupid to me. There aren't that many nodes, right? It's holding data, so it's not like a good blockchain. They say they store it in the blockchain, uh, and it's. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just really expensive. I guess. Like, I can't imagine there's not some really weird attack vectors mm. that that you could like delete data or like roll it back on on the Steam quote unquote blockchain. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a lot of, like, weird vulnerabilities there. And then, like, I mean, it's just not, I don't really know what's, like, over, overly all that interesting with it. I just want, like, I, I, mean, I don't think the nodes expand when, you're, when your content is that much, right? Like, like, think about, like, a YouTube. Like, you couldn't put a YouTube on a blockchain. Right. Right? You, well, think about the amount of expense you'd have, the bloatedness of that chain, how many people would have to hold it in order for it to be, you know, yeah. interesting and matter and accessible. The availability would it, have to it, be, like, nuts. Steam it, it's, is it a, its own chain, or is it anchoring it, like, is it more like so a So there's, like, a Steam it blockchain, I guess, that you can read, and so anyone can read from it. So you could have your own Steam it site. Okay. That just repurposes all the content on it. Right. Like the Steemit website has content on it, but they're hosting their own thing. And then you can host, do your own thing. Yeah. You could also take the node and, you know, host the blockchain on your node and then put it up there. And, uh, you know, like Steemit, you have censorship capabilities at the website level, but not at the blockchain level, I think is the idea. Right. Which is dumb. Yeah. Like that's. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I just, I wonder, I wonder about how, how this thing, if it gets any real usage, it has to stop working at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to scale to any, like, it's, it's going to have a fuck ton of issues. Right. Like, it, it's expensive to put data in, in. It has to be expensive or it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
Um, but like it's it's very interesting. Like, like I, I just see people like well, I mean, what are they doing? They're just is it, it's all the data literally in 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 their blockchain. So yeah. they're literally like bytes and bytes and bytes of like megabytes of data, large amounts of data going into there. Yeah, and like Bitcoin, like we're working on things to like the Bitcoin developers are working on things to uh, like you know gain data gains by like just a few bytes here and there on signatures because like there's a long term scaling thought there. This is just so. I don't. I don't see how it works. You know? Right. Like it, it's stupid. Man, fucking, oh man. Fucking Dan Larimer. <laughs> and that's and, and he was part of it, right? Like, and what's hilarious is like, yeah, that was that was like uh, that was that was after BitShares before EOS. Like that was one of the many scams and crap that he's done. And I heard, I thought I th- saw somewhere that he was thinking of like the next thing after EOS. <laughs> like, of course he is. He's idea. getting ready to like leave that one too. So. Um, did you see? Did you see uh, uh, Block Cipher's blog on uh, how they've been having a fuck ton of trouble running their Ethereum nodes? No. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Tell me about that. Block Cipher put a. They had a blog where they I were love having a lot of Ethereum fud. Yeah. And spreading it. Oh, this one was great because they actually she actually reached out to Vitalik for assistance. Oh, I did see this one. Yeah, I read the and whole thing. His yeah. quote was, "Oh, you're using one of those big scary nodes that like yeah, no one uses." Yeah, and then no one. She goes, "Do you know anyone who's using?" He's like, "No, not even the Ethereum Foundation." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love. <laughs> <laughs> which goes, I mean, like, so so Ethereum has a bunch of kinds of nodes. One of which is the archival node, which is the node that holds all the data. I think so. Even devs were Bitcoin devs were looking at this. And were like, I can't figure out what fucking type of node. To run that would be all of like like the right node to run. right apparently like, they, they even obfuscate their language and like well what is a what is a full node Where they have like a full data? node and then they have an archival node i think yeah and the idea is that like the full node can somehow reconstruct the archival node like it was very weird yeah but there were a bunch of people that came out on twitter and like well we're running one too so i think there's i think we've identified three archival nodes in the world <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah they don't do a thing where they prune it and only do like the last few hundred blocks or something like that on the other nodes like doesn't bitcoin do something like that well bitcoin has a is it header first or whatever it is the header only shit well you can do you can um yeah i think you can do where you just validate the headers like for like light clients yeah and then i think there's uh there's a light node for bitcoin there's there's, there's a way to do like prune where you where you like you're not going to like download any blocks that don't have i don't think prune nodes validate right i think i i really don't know like the the lights idiots here but yeah, I'm like sure there, the... there are ways to do non-full nodes in Bitcoin. But the difference is that Ethereum, whenever they're counting their nodes, I think they count all of those non-full nodes, like in all of their counts. That's how they measure, like yeah. the node count. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, there's 12 trillion nodes, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of nodes. Whereas Bitcoin, like when you're getting node counts, you're only getting full nodes that are willing to broadcast that they're on the network. Mm-hmm. So apparently, it's like double or triple the number of nodes that like you ever see on those sites. Mm-hmm. And like you know, Bitcoin, you start talking about like making light clients easier, like you know, prune nodes or whatever, or like just like the neutrino stuff coming out, and you get a good amount of people who, you know, are very against it in, in, right. in some ways, uh, because like you don't really you know you don't really want a world where everybody's spinning up these light nodes that have less uh, security guarantees than, than than running a full node, and then like the network becomes. You know, less decentralized because right. it's just around full nodes that that work. You know, um, 
But it's hilarious that like even Vitalik's like, I could help you. I don't know. I don't even know. Like, I've never, oh, you're running that? I've never you're even running done that shit. I've never run that I've shit. I've never done that. I have no idea how to even spin it up, to be honest. <laughs> I've heard rumors, but that was that was one of the funniest things. The, the funniest thing was the, uh, the the tweet that was sent out about it. Like, oh, guys, we've we've all been speculating that you know Ethereum has very few full nodes. Apparently, it's it's less than we thought. It's one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but okay, so so the the other thing about that post that's really interesting is that they the reason that they had trouble with their node is because of the Const- Constantinople update where uh, they called it off. Right, right. So they, they they updated their node before the update with all the instructions, and they ca- they called it off, and their node suddenly started like having a lot of trouble, a lot of problems. They had to f- they couldn't figure out what was going on until they realized that like the fork had been called off, and they were on this thing that wasn't a thing. So they had to go back and like try to reconstruct it from their old uh, their old node, which they couldn't do because somehow that got corrupted or something like that. Right. That's how and, this. Yeah. yeah, and they were saying that like had they just waited and upgraded afterwards, things would have been like much better. Like they couldn't, they they were kind of baffled by this. I mean, I think Ethereum really botched that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah, that that was. It's clear that it's a bigger fuck up than. Well, it was funny because really like, if, if you remember the up. Dow when mm-hmm. the Dow happened, it was like a no, it was a normal day. It was beautiful and sunny outside, and then all of a sudden, Griffin, Griff. Walks into the room and he says, "Everybody, turn off your nodes. Stop trading. The Dow's been hacked." And everyone's like, "Oh, good one, Griff." <laughs> and then it was—it actually had been. <laughs> <laughs> it was so like nonchalant, like, "Hey, everybody, uh, the Dow seems to be draining money. We're not going. Not sure what's going on. Uh, no biggie, though. It's not a big deal. We're just gonna like, uh, okay." Uh, oh, how fucked are we? Oh, you're very fucked. <laughs> it's just very, very nonchalant. And that's kind of like how the, the Constantinople update like reminded me of. It was sort of this like, oh, we're going to go upgrade. We're going to get ready. We're going to do it. Oh, guys, just we're going to call it off. No biggie. No biggie. Yeah. And then a bunch of people just didn't get the news. Yeah. I think people think that like Reddit is a news is like the news source that everybody's on. And if you announce it on Reddit, you've announced it to the world. Which is stupid because there's a lot of a lot of people who aren't on that forum. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is like, and some of us like me haven't been able to post there for years. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've been banned. I've been banned there. Um, <laughs> but it's also there's a giant increase in cost for these businesses to even like maintain Ethereum. Yeah. And it's like, well, how how what are the? Ex- I mean, this is one company like talking about it openly. What have the exchanges been going through? And if if if, if the policy is well, these fucks. Or like, oh, we're gonna we have to coordinate hard forks. They can't coordinate them very well. They call them off, and the best option is to just wait until it's actually upgraded. Now you're gonna have a bunch of people who are not upgrading, and you have like a hard like coordination effort with actually like oh, doing yeah. these hard forks. Like it just fucks everything up even more. Oh, hard forks are shit. Oh yeah, and and I think that every hard fork they're doing, they're realizing how difficult it, especially at scale. Yeah, the bigger they've gotten, the worse this has gotten. Like I think Monero can do it because their community's small. But like but, well, Ethereum, it's also, it's also, now their community's big. But it's also planned. They have a schedule. Like they're very like every six months we're yeah. hard for. Yeah. So it's not no, like it's part of the protocol. Yeah. What about your theory on the miner pool payouts? Oh yeah. Ethereum. So okay, I've been thinking about this. I, I was looking at Ethereum this week, and there's like five hundred thousand transactions a day on Ethereum. Okay. I I wouldn't be surprised if a huge percentage of them, if not like 
95% mm-hmm. are people getting paid from mining pools? Probably. I mean, it. why not? Right. It's probably a large percentage. I would like someone to do the math on that. I'm very curious. I don't. I, I, I need to look at like how pools pay out. I don't know how they net. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 90% of the transactions on the chain or mining pool payouts. Even if it was 60%, that would still be incredibly high. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be insane if it was like if more if, than half. Be yeah, nice. if it's forty percent, it's high. Yeah, but I I, I don't even I, I don't I can't imagine there's a hundred thousand transactions going on on that chain ever. Like it would it would blow my mind. Who's using it? Nobody. All of the Ethereum use all of the Ethereum users live in you know Wyoming, yeah. in my opinion, <laughs> which doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, like, I, I when when can we start saying that nobody uses Ethereum? Uh, you've been saying it. Yeah, but like, when, it. when is it safe to like? When will when when are people going to get on board with that? There's oh, like no one like using it. Yeah, no one uses that thing. Yeah, it's got a cool logo and a nice name, so it, it's got a. Well, you were asking me this week about the developers. They, they keep saying that they have more developers than like Bitcoin and, you made and whatever. A great point on that. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I actually forget. Well, I, I said how many? Like, like you t- tell me. Uh, like it's real simple. Like Ethereum developers are children. There's tons and tons of them. Just like you know, what's uh, you know who do you think? Do you think there are more people working on uh, the self-driving car problem or kindergartners? Yeah, yeah. It like, doesn't it doesn't bring legitimacy to kindergartners? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got more kindergartners than there, there are people kindergartners doing the, the self-driving the, car the problem. So, like, so like, yeah, you know, obviously, obviously like, they're going to send people to space, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's 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 just kind of it's it's absolutely insane. Like, yeah. they have more programmers. Okay, what are the programmers working on? DApps. Oh, who uses those? No one. Yeah. No one uses DApps. Other people making dApps. Other people <laughs> making dApps use dApps. Use mine. I'll use yours. It's like the, it's got to yeah. be right. Like like dApps. What do you, like what do people think? They're like I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a dApp that's gonna get like a hundred percent more use than the top dApp. They're like okay, so you're gonna get like six hundred users a day. Yeah. All right. Good for you. Like I don't know what your dreams can be at this point with regard to dApps. Like what are your hopes and dreams with this dApp? Want to like make a lot of money or what? Like no. I just want like you know at least twelve people to use it <laughs> per day. Maybe my maybe my grandma, my mom. I just don't like. There's no uptick, <laughs> none. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I was not like we took a long time to like push that one out. Yeah. Well, but... yeah. There's literally no use on these things. There's you know, you're talking DApps with three hundred, four hundred users being yeah. like the biggest things on the DApp network. Yeah, just it's it's shit. The question is, uh, as things keep getting worse, I mean, does Ethereum just completely? I don't know. Like, I I don't know what's going to happen. I I keep wondering: is it going to go to zero? Is it going to go back up? Like, you know, it's it's funny because the more use the Ethereum chain has, the more they ask you to stop using it. So, I mean, there was a <laughs> there was a great article this week about how it's a, well, the question was like why Ethereum Bitcoin or Ethereum 1.0 failed and Bitcoin has succeeded. It was a, it was a good article. Like the reality is that you know as was predictable, Ethereum didn't do any management of the externalities of its blockchain zero. Mm-hmm. So what are they doing? They're pivoting to this Ethereum 2.0, which is an obfuscated second attempt to do exactly what Ethereum 1.0 did. Why would it? Why will this be any different? Is this just a complete like rewriting? Complete of... rewrite. 
Is this like Bitshares 2.0? I, I don't know. I mean, did, it's... Remember, oh, remember, oh, they remember, did remember Bitshares like, 2.0, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, they, you just follow what Dan Larimore does, and uh, that's, how you, that's how you run this well, shit. I, so here's my, here's my reading on Ethereum 2.0, all right? And, and I don't know this is true, but like just based on the interviews I've seen, I think what happened is they showed up, and they were like, wow, this Ethereum 1.0 shit is bad. It's written by dum-dums. Okay. So they were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll rewrite it. I don't think that Vitalik's very involved in Ethereum 2.0. So this is like some new, uh, this is just some new group of people. That I think the in. new group of people are like writing this thing and like trying to do all the things that they said they would do, like scaling, Casper, sharding, uh, Lambo creation, just like in all the things that Ethereum 1.0 promised. So they're you, just planning on. So is Ether and Ethereum, it's just going to like be moved on to Ethereum 2.0? I think that's the idea. Yeah. It'll just be a hard fork. Huh. Unlike, unlike rational blockchain developers, well, like what's, Bitcoin what's and developers. Is that like they may actually, they'll keep that going for some time. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to, yeah. Like that's gonna be like the EOS competitor, right? And that's the yeah, thing. Like, yeah. oh, we've we've upgraded. We're good. Now yeah, we got another. Like, what are they gonna get? Another four year pump? Yeah. And then Ethereum three Yeah. <laughs> like it might just be the model. Like I mean, I look at I look look at Bitcoin. What version are we on? Point one six or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Point point uh point one seven or point one eight. I think we just horizon. got we just yeah. got out of beta. Yeah. 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 I mean, like version numbers are one thing, but. Like no, no one's no one in Bitcoin has ever said that we're even close. To I, I just I just get the sense that like a 1.0 is like a really arrogant thing to do. It's like this is version 1.0. They're like, oh wow, it's got to be really complete. Yeah. So now like Ethereum, which developed this shit chain that doesn't do anything about externality management, you know, isn't that interesting? But has a lot of users uh, who don't know what they're doing. And they they release Ethereum 1.0, which is hugely buggy, impossible to use. Doesn't scale. They get as many people on their chain as they can, and then like when they realize all the problems, they just launch you know two point which is as arrogant as one point It's just it's just insane. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to have any like it, it's why is it going to be better because like Zuko's involved or something like that. Is that what's going on? I don't know. I don't. It's like, uh, yeah, but it's just you know Zuko Cocksure, whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, he's he, we'll like. I saw him do an interview uh, about Ethereum 2.0, and just like really, like I, I've seen a number of others do it too. It just it just seems like everyone's very invested in the notion that Ethereum is going to iterate to this, you know, 2.0. But why will this be any different than 1.0? Yeah. It's it's just going to be plagued by the same shit. It's not like they're going to change like right. how they're doing. Like it's just this funny thing in like programming. You have this like idea of like garbage management, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like the Ethereum conception of garbage management is to just, like, go and prune things off the chain that, like, aren't really useful anymore. Like, maybe we just, like, get rid of this contract that nobody's using and this one and maybe this one. And then, you know, they'll release it instead of, you know, two terabytes or whatever the fucking chain is at this point. It'll be, like, you know, 500 gigabytes or something, Mm. which is still too big Yeah, for what they're doing. Yeah, it's just going to keep growing bigger than Yeah. Remember, remember that time for a while where like Ethereum was growing ten gigabytes a day for like a week. Mm-hmm. Some bug or exploit someone found it was really like it's it's nuts. That whole chain is nuts. And I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it explodes because I think that they just keep kind of pushing the can down the road with these like updates. Yeah. 
And I think some people would argue that that is uh, that is okay, and that that's like that is what their blockchain does. Which I, you know, that's fine. But it's it's kind of like fucked. Um, but you know, on another note, speaking of foundations, I guess it's not really a foundation, but Facebook is hiring developers, and there's a lot of speculation that they're going to get ready to launch a coin of their own. Huh? Like a stable coin? I imagine that's. I've, I've been seeing speculation about a stable coin, which I think would be very interesting. Yeah. And this week, all week, I was seeing, like, ah, uh, they're going to release the Bitcoin killer, which I think is insane. And that, it leads me to the question, like, what's the difference between, like, Facebook launching a stable coin and a bank? The like button. They'd be acting in, uh, in the... In the like <laughs> My button. bank doesn't have a like button. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be acting in the capacity of a bank in a lot of ways by doing that. Aren't they taking... I mean, I, I think what's going on here is that essentially they're taking deposits... Right, uh, and and all this is is a liability. It's on the books. If like let's say I want to cash out and like leave Facebook and go to my bank, like I want a dollar for whatever Facebook bucks I have. It, let's say it's a dollar. You know, one one Facebook buck equals one dollar. That seems like a, a, just a liability. So it's a gift card or something like it. But I don't see how that's any different than the liabilities in J.P. Morgan's account. J.P. Morgan says if you take a J.P. Morgan dollar and send it to Bank of America, it will equal one Bank of America dollar. So in yeah. this case, it's just Facebook saying if you send one Facebook dollar to J.P. Morgan, it will equal one J.P. Morgan dollar. Are people calling it a cryptocurrency, or, or is that what Facebook is calling? I think it? Facebook's calling it that. Hmm. But I look at that like all that's going on here is I think generally banks make their money on the back end by loaning money out, right? And they yeah. make a small percentage on that. I think what Facebook essentially would be doing here, if they don't abide by like deposit requirements, because no one in the government will realize that they're just a bank. I think what they would be doing is essentially taking that money and instead of like loaning it out, using it for themselves as a free loan for like acquisition and growth. That's essentially what they're doing is giving themselves like a 0% loan. Hmm. And no one would have an issue with them essentially being money creators? Well, I think the government should, but I think the government's going to be like, well, they're doing crypto. Like that's what yeah. I, I was saying that this week. All J.P. Morgan has to do, like we're talking about the J.P. Morgan stablecoin issuance. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know why J.P. Morgan doesn't issue it on the front end to, to customers. If like if, if apparently it's okay to create a stablecoin, which to me looks just like the Liberty Dollar, right? Like yeah. it looks like just do fraud. Okay, whatever. Um, but like maybe you add KYC to that, and it doesn't become the Liberty Dollar. I don't know. So if I were J.P. Morgan, I would consider you know. Just developing a stable coin on the front end and making an app that recognizes these coins. You have to send it from my app to your JP Morgan app. And all we do is, like, if, if you aren't KYC'd, we invalidate your outputs so that, like, your money doesn't exist anymore if you're not KYC'd until you are KYC'd in that wallet. So you could receive money into the wallet. It's not usable until you, it won't be recognized by other wallets until you yourself disclose who you are to the bank. And with limited function on what you can use it for. Yeah, you just wouldn't be able to. You'd you'd receive it, but not be able to do anything with it. And other wallets wouldn't like be able to receive it so much either. Like you could do that with the tech available. Like I think if you were to issue a stablecoin as a bank on the blockchain, you could actually have like money that has some like interesting features, like recallable features, because you can invalidate outputs, right? So if you if you're like Tether, you could say like okay, like Kevin. I send you $100 from J.P. Morgan. Your phone falls in the toilet. You come over, you say, like, I, my phone it fell in the toilet. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. They could invalidate your money in that wallet and then issue you new money. You'd have money that's recallable. And that, and that I mean, well, that, that, that money would essentially be an entry in his database. 
or in their database saying, "Oh, that's that's Kevin's money, and he lost it." Yeah, I mean, like and we they, gave they, it, they we gave it to him like cash, really so we, to... we can invalidate that. Yeah, like just yeah, like or, a traveler's check, exactly, a traveler's check or something. Yeah, right? that's all it would be, it, it, and it would just be J.P. Morgan liabilities in your account. Do, do you see anybody not allowing you to tr- to convert from stablecoin to U.S. dollar? Yeah. Or, or why not? Like, I mean, J.P. Morgan will do whatever they want. I'm just saying, like, why not? Like, apparently. Apparently in the United States, it's, it's perfectly legal to issue a stablecoin and just create money. Gemini's doing it. Tether's doing it. I mean, who else is doing it? Why can't a bank do it? Are, are they doing it now because other people have done it and nothing happened to them? Is that kind of... That's, I, yeah. It's kind of what we're yes. seeing, right? And I'm just like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, J.P. Morgan, jump on it. a year and a half. It's, nothing's yeah. happening. No one, they yeah. haven't even got a letter. Yeah. So, like, fine. We'll do it, too. Like, just fine. If I were J.P. Morgan, like, okay, we'll do it. Fine. Fuck it. You guys aren't going to regulate this? Okay. We might as well do it. Offer J.P. Morgan coin. It's a liability on the books. And, and like, you can go off and do it. Like, you want to talk about, like, solving the unbanked problem? Like, if you're unbanked, you could literally keep your your, your money in your wallet. You would never have to go to a J.P. Morgan, uh, you know, uh, branch or anything like that. You could keep it in your wallet. You don't have to hold giant amounts of cash in your house. It'd be money with, like, the ability to recall. So J.P. Morgan wouldn't even have to keep it on their books or an account for you. You could essentially just have spendable money that you actually hold in what is nominally a bank account if you couldn't have had that before without the risk of having cash under your mattress. To me, that seems like a, a weirdly interesting possibility for it, all of this. It would this. work fine at grocery stores, restaurants. Why not? It's just a J.P. Morgan liability. Yeah. And the beauty is that like, you can build these wallets you know, for any interface. So what you could do... Is you could just have a wallet that like recognizes whether it's a J.P. Morgan liability or whether it's a Bank of America liability, and like it would be like Tether, Gemini, you know, or whatever. And when they go into the wallet, you just kind of like make it look like one dollar. And then at the end of the day, you know, J.P. Morgan, uh, Bank of America, whoever it is, as they're receiving these, they they on their end separate whose liabilities are who, and they can net. It seems super reasonable. They're already making money; they're creating it. So, like, here's the other thing about stable coins is that, like, you people talk about Tether not being backed, and they want proof that it's backed one-to-one in a bank. But, like, they're never backed because the bank rehypothecates the money anyways. Mm. Well, they just updated the website to, to say that, too. Did yeah, well, that? yeah, they did yeah. today or yesterday, I think. Yeah. yeah. Why are – there are some very uh, – like, people who actually know about banking and, and economics to an extent that are very, like, anti-Tether and think that it's, like, a giant thing that's going to collapse – but, like, why haven't they drawn the line? Like, in other words, I think I've seen Francis Coppola, like, tweet about this. And it's like, well, you know how banks work. And you know that, like, they, they don't one-to-one it. So why are you concerned that Tether's not one-to-one? Is it because it's it's Tether and it's crypto-related? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a dumb argument. Like, I, I, look, nobody withdraws Tether, mm-hmm. right? They probably have a, a smaller need for on-hand funds than a bank. Almost guaranteed. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, so, I mean, like, if you were to stress test them, you'd, I don't know how many you'd need, like 60% of people to come and like wipe out their reserves, whatever that is. Like, and, and they, they are centralized so they could just say no. Mm-hmm. And I don't see why, like they have full capacity. Cause it's not like you can go to a window and be like, I'm here to withdraw money from my account. They, like it's not, it, that's not how Tether works. They don't have like a branch. So you right. literally need permission from them in order to for them to go to the bank and withdraw money. So I mean Tether is just as good as like anyone's willing to pay a dollar for it and I don't know how long that lasts. It might you know break its peg at some point depending on what people trust. But like it doesn't really matter. 
I don't think they need full reserves. I, I actually think that like the natural state of these coins is to be rehypothecated, and the only way that you wouldn't have that is if the government stepped in and said you need one to one reserves or you need eight, you know forty percent of your coins reserved or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is is like you know you're if you're a bank. And you've fractionalized uh, the money in your account down to like 10%, which I think is a standard ratio. You know, Tether's out there now just being spent and you're at your bank lending out those monies. Mm -hmm. So Tether has liabilities or Bitfinex liabilities, which are Tethers. And then the bank is issuing their own liabilities against the cash that's sitting in their vaults. I mean, to me, that seems where the problem is when you're like talking about stress testing. Well, you're... you're, Because... Banks and banks normally hold liabilities in the form of currency and, right. and issue uh, the liabilities, which could be securities or something else. And some people think that it's 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 a big negative because it's not one foreign, not really getting the value. But like they're just they're able to use this weird property of money where they can kind of like expand a like a, a liability. It's actually more a weird property of like and how often actually, people withdraw. Yeah. Well, it's because of that that you're able to do that, the stuff with money. Right. I mean, and the stress test is, if, if it were to occur, is, but, like, people don't really, people aren't really withdrawing. I mean, I don't know, like, what does it take for that to happen? A, a giant tethered scare? Is it, is, it, is it a normal financial crisis where you start stress testing a bunch of well, I mean, the, the, I so, so here's the thing. Like, let's say, like, Tether goes into a community like the Bahamas or something like that where they're speculated to have a lot of their money. Mm-hmm. And let's say they're, like, 60% of the deposits of that bank. Mm-hmm. To me, now if you have, like, a reserve ratio of, like, 10%, all of a sudden you have this giant liability. Like, what if Tether tomorrow wants all their money back? Mm. As a bank, you're fucked. You've lent it out to a bunch of Bahamians. You've, you're right. You've yeah. given it. I mean, already you're fucked because like none of them have good credit. So, like you've you've got these Bahamians. All and I'm kidding about that, but like you have all these Bahamians with all the like all of all of these loans out, and now the person who's sixty percent of your your deposits it takes their money out and is gone. So like like that seems to me to represent a huge risk for banks that are small, which seem to be the only banks that are willing to accept other bank accounts. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, like, to me, that entire system seems fraught. And I would think that, like, a J.P. Morgan issuing, like, that kind of thing would be, like, a much more trustworthy version of the stablecoin. But I don't know. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Tether's bank takes on a lot of risk in that way. Yeah. Well, I also think, like, like looking at... J.P. Morgan is... You need a bigger financial institution to do the stablecoin thing. I I also wonder what, like, like if a Facebook offers a stablecoin, like, these are essentially customer deposits. Yeah. So, like, what's their liability on that? Well, you'd think they'd be fucking regulated as one. I mean, it seems kind of obvious that they're they're acting like a bank in that situation. I, I think that they're a bank. Like, you become a bank if you're holding... You're taking on customer... Liabilities, I like think that. so. And yeah, and and using that money to, yeah, I mean, like that's that that seems pretty clear. Yeah, it does to me too. I I don't see how it's any different. Like I asked that question on Twitter this week. Like, what's the difference between a bank account yeah. and uh, Facebook like issuing these things? And I I really don't see a big difference. Is there would there be like a market where people are actually like? Because like I think like oh, there's Tether, there's JP Morgan, there's a Facebook stablecoin, like. Well, there's people that are using this stuff, but like there isn't really like competition to like sure. buy one over the other. Well, I think there is, but like with Facebook, what, what's weirding me out is that like, if Facebook enters a stablecoin market, 
I don't see any way around them not entering the bank competitive scene mm-hmm. or the competitive bank scene, I guess. Like, they are essentially at that point competing with oh, like JP Morgan. They probably, you know what? They would actually probably imagine uh, imagine them expanding their banking efforts in like these third world countries, right? Because like that's actually like where there is no ba- like banking to exist right now, right? Right. Like Facebook has this global mission to like do things globally. Like they're heavily in like in India. These tech companies are trying to get more in China. So we have a bunch of Indian people with a face. All they have is a fucking Facebook account. But now they have access to banking. They have access to Facebook dollars. Right. I mean, J.P. Morgan could end run that, I would think. But, I mean, maybe it's a terrible idea. But I just, I look at, the, like, the regulatory landscape, and it doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything. Mm. Like, no one cares about these. They're just fine with it. Hmm. So, you know, did you see that North Korea has apparently been acquiring Bitcoin through hacking? Was there a new story about that? Yeah, like, apparently, I think it was the U.N. or somebody confirmed that they have been, like, quietly hacking exchanges in a lot of places, too. And they gave a number of like how much uh, how much coin they thought they'd had crypto generally it was mm. some huge amount hmm. which I think is hilarious but also like avoid sanctions hmm. I look at that and I think about like the Roger Veers who cry about how Bitcoin's going to solve the world's problems through. yeah <laughs> it's just getting get, like, it's giving dictatorial more. <laughs> despots getting like tons and tons of money yeah. like good for you good for you Kim Jong yeah <laughs> that's the, the that's that's the real dream of the the non-aggression principle. Well, I just look at, like, back, I think it was, what, the 17th or 16th century, where the Spanish had more gold than any other country, and they built up this humongous armada, mm-hmm. and they were just the wealthiest. And now, like, all we have, what, are, like, treasure seekers basically pulling their gold out of the bottom of the ocean? Like, that's that's the remnants of it at this point. <laughs> but they, they, they were, like, they wasted all the mo- the money. But they, they went from being, like, not this wealthy country to being the wealthiest country in the world mm-hmm. overnight with all of this, like, gold. Yeah. And I just I just wonder what that would look like if North Korea ended up being the richest country in the world because they had all the Bitcoin. <laughs> was, was the number, like, 650,000 coins or something It was like some that? obscene amount, yeah. yeah. Really? And uh, the the latest report said that they're getting into the ransomware game now with part of their hacking where they're... I think everyone thought that about the Cry, Cry Me a River one. What was that called? Wanna Cry. Wanna, Wanna Cry. cry. <laughs> Wanna Cry. Yeah. Cry this was river. another one that they listed in <laughs> this week's report. What about the the four guys that uh, robbed the ATM in Canada? Oh, or, fucking love that story. Yeah, that's interesting. I had a couple questions about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know about this? Uh, you mean the ATMs that were... Uh, Open taking zero con. Yeah, well, R- not just that, allowing RBF oh, somehow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. What? Yeah. Why did they do that in the first place? Like, I, why was that ever a good idea on an ATM? It was never a good idea. I like. I don't know what they were fucking how thinking. Did, how did it take this long for someone to go do that? Too. They're probably the only ATMs in the world that were doing that. Like, I can't think of any reason you would do that. The I, I, said that's why I said I'm, yeah. I'm skeptical of the story because, like. I'm trying to think how you would perform an RBF at an ATM. RBF transaction. I, I don't know enough about RBF, but that's a good... There was 112 transactions that netted them 195 <laughs> grand is what the numbers were. Yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And though, they like, said the, the, the company was undisclosed, like the name. So I don't know if it was... A, I would assume it's the same brand or, or company, ATM company that got hit, but it might might not have been. 
Yeah, I would imagine. I can't imagine there was like, yeah. more than one ATM that was doing that. So is that really hit? What? Like, to, like I think the confusing thing about Bitcoin is that like the ATM company has this money taken through RBF, which they enabled. Which is weird to me. Like I, I'm, I'm very confused as to how you how they double spent. Like where was the double spending? I really don't know. And I'm confused as to why it's theft. Like it's clearly an exploit, but like, yeah, I don't know that it's theft. It's not theft in the traditional sense. Like, what did they do? They put? Did they put? Like, how did it work? Did they put like a thousand bucks in the machine, get a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and then like? This is why I'm skeptical. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you could possibly do. Because once you put the money in the machine, unless you get double Bitcoin, you're still. Well, you you have no control. Like, would would they like hack the machine and be like, okay, now replace by fee? Like, like I don't understand. Right? Yeah. Where that? Where they were able to go in and like do this? It seems like there's something missing from these stories. Well, the other thing that I brought up to you. Uh, was one of the big sports books, Five Dimes, that we've talked about. They just moved to seven confirmations. Yeah. So I thought they the probably time... got fucked. And so I would assume the difference between zero, because the way it works right now is sports books, the offshore, they require you to have one confirmation before you can make a bet. So sometimes if blocks are slow, you know, that might become a problem. But usually every 10 minutes is fine. Um, but so kind of insinuating that one confirmation is not safe too for some reason well okay so there, there's a degree like a probabilistic yeah uh like safety for certain amounts right for, for any yeah. amount i mean like i think that like it's it's nearly impossible to, to double spend a confirmation i think it's five in mm-hmm. like the, the presumption is that reorgs aren't going to be that long uh and that six it, has always been the magic number yeah right? six is the magic number there's yeah. math to why it's six okay six is like fully settled and I, I mean, I don't know why they would have switched it unless they got fucked or if they are, in fact, like, uh, you know, trying to. Well, I told you, you know, most bets are done right before tip Yeah, it seems so like a really bad idea. if they're requiring a seven confirm, someone that wants to get action on a seven o'clock game would Maybe have to make want, a deposit. Like yesterday. Yeah, hours before yeah. minimum, which is going to. That's at least an hour, at least an hour confirmation there, minimum. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's crazy. Seems weird that it's seven, like it, like that's. Well, that's. I, I would suggest that there's they're under some conditions that are. Um, like if that's really the case, and if they really do, like they figured out for themselves that they need seven confirmations, and they think they're they they are close to being right. Right. Like that means that there's like a weird like um, like an eclipse attack weird situation specifically on their node because how else how how no there's no reorgs at seven. I can't imagine either. It'd be, they're, like, they're, it'd be a very expensive. Re- re- I, yeah, that's like seven confirmations. People would know about. Like, what's the deepest reorg? People would four, need, four people, you would know. You would know about a node that like needs like they. They're like, oh, we need seven confirmations. Like, you know what's wild though is on on with the sports books uh, to withdraw with a Visa card or Mastercard or something like that. I think it's like two three thousand dollars a day limit, and I th- I think on five dimes it's either fifty or a hundred thousand dollars a day you can really? do in Bitcoin. So you can do massive numbers. So that might be. It might be that they're might just taking a lot. It. Yeah. They, they also might want you to start a tab there. I don't understand how the confirmations would. Well, they, they, they would mean that you'd have to, like, think about it, you know, put a bunch of money in there the day before. And then keep you probably want to keep it there because they probably don't release it for seven confirmations. Yeah, it's... 
I'm, I, I would kind of guess that it's just an overreaction. I guess to they can't it, not to, release to it for seven con- once they yeah. send it. They send it, but like, yeah. yeah, they probably it's probably an overreaction to an issue they had with uh, someone trying to do it. They might spend. also be afraid of reorgs. I don't know, but yeah, it could be that someone mm-hmm. tried a double spend. Yeah, maybe they're just maybe they're just like really overly cautious. Like over, they're overly. They're like <laughs> fuck, fuck, what, fuck yeah. what the devs are saying. We're yeah. gonna go seven. Like six, the math behind six. confirmation. Yeah. There's math behind number six. All right, put it to seven. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're trying to. Maybe they're trying to attract uh, like Chinese investors. They should have made it eight. Eight, eight yeah, confirmations. Good point. Oh yeah, yeah. Fuck that. So I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't know why they would do seven. But that's a lot of confirmations. Maybe it is the amount, though. That would not be surprising if it was just, like, purely the fact that they're taking, like, big amounts in. And they might have had someone do the math and say, like, you know, six is safest, uh, seven to be, like, 100%. Yeah. And they just they don't want to take the risk. I don't know. The other interesting thing was the BitPay card apparently ceased cash withdrawals. Oh, yeah. You it. said this was on the forums, like the gambler forums. Yeah, so I'm not hearing that from anywhere else. Yeah. So they're, they're freaking out. And uh, apparently what they're doing to get around it is... Taking the BitPay card, you can still use it for purchases, right? Um, but they are actually buying money orders from Walmart and then depositing the money orders into their bank account to do withdrawals. That's mind blowing. Yeah, like I, I mean, the the amount of what, what's funny to me is the amount of coordination that gamblers do to get around things. Like, oh, it's not working, and then they quickly find a solution mm-hmm. that nobody's aware of unless they're like in these forums. Yeah. When they were getting shut down on Circle and Coinbase, they were finding exchanges to buy Bitcoin that I had never heard of. I believe which that. Is, which is kind <laughs> of funny. Like, Don't yeah. do it. Oh, never I guess heard you of them did before. It. Never heard of them since. Yeah. But, but they worked, <laughs> apparently. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, like that's, to me, I, I, can't, I can't imagine needing seven confirmations. I mean, how many does Poloniex need at its height? Three, four? At least, uh, at least three, maybe four times, yeah, maybe or maybe four. Um, yeah, I think. Man, I mean, <laughs> do we have to talk about this, the circle managing director leave? Yeah, what was what was up with that? So, I, so apparently, Circle's managing director or one of the managing directors at Circle left Circle uh, to quote unquote ensure the survival of Bitcoin SV. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I'm surprised that there's like, <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> like he's going to go hang out with Craig. And I, th- I think that's, I think it's the same. Like that, the that's Q- the Bitcoin and, announcement. And, and, I want to go hang out with Craig, right? And the Cuban. I think Calvin team. cut him a check is probably, that's probably exactly what exactly happened. Exactly what happened. It's funny that there's like guys with money propping up this whole fucking chain. Like Calvin, that's what it seems like, right? Calvin air. Calvin. As far as I understand is utterly convinced that Craig Wright is Satoshi. Yeah. Utterly what, what is the proof that he's pulling out of his magic hat what, to what convince is, people? I mean, there's got to be something that's convincing that that's working because the, the list know. of people, Roger Veer, Gavin Andreessen, I mean, John Matonis, I mean, there's a lot of people who he's shown or said something to. And they're all over it. That, I, I, that eat it up. Well, didn't th- th- Gavin retracted? Gavin quasi-retracted. He's like, maybe I was fooled. Yeah. I, he, but, like, he, Calvin Air is funny because he's like this rich dude. I don't think he's smart. I think he's an opportunist. And I think that people give him a lot of credit for being smart just because he's rich. Rich pedophile, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. You, you saw the uh, the Twitter? The twerking. The tweets this week? Yeah. yeah. Was, oh, my God. That's some blowback. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, he... Uh, well, I, I, that was, like, all over 
fucking Twitter. That's so funny. He uh, he tweeted out that he had like the Cuban twerking team at his place, and it was like five girls and one of which is one like of them really like, young looking, looked like ten or something, <laughs> and it was just like, dude, like what the fuck. I- yeah, and he was like, "Well, this is, that's that's the Cuban twerking team <laughs> or whatever." Like, I'm 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 hosting that. Fuck, dude. I mean, he got a lot of uh, there was a lot of attention on that one. A lot it looked of, like age 10, 14, 16. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They, none of them looked of age. Like they were all <laughs> real <Yeah>. young. He <laughs> should have just said, "Well." That that's what people from a socialist country. Look yeah, like. we, <laughs> that's what socialism does. I look at their birth certificates. It says twenty one. Yeah, man. But uh, I wonder what he's doing. Like, I just like the idea of like like Calvin Harrison as much. Like, ah, I got a lot of money, a lot of time. Maybe I can just get some people to come here and twerk. <laughs> and like, get some flown in. Like, where the where did the he, fuck did these girls come from? He's he's famous for this type of lifestyle and. These type of parties in Costa Rica, where really? they have the almost uh, stereotypical party with like glow paint midgets and you know body paint. Oh, like chicks. right out of the movies. Yeah, it's uh, these type of parties are thrown for people in the gambling industry, and you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of uh, you know people from all over the world that move to Costa Rica f- for various legal issues, but come with a boatload of money and have a bun- bunch of money and. You know these type of parties are notorious, and and he's you know been hosting them for years uh, as as a casino owner living in Antigua, Costa Rica, man, places like that. So it's nothing new. This is just how he rolls, and people are seeing it now. I think for the first oh, time. Oh, because he's put himself in the limelight in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Interesting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. man. Even the young girl thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Mm. I'm sure. I think already there's been people dug up like old pictures, but there's there's not a shortage of them. That's that's amazing. What, yeah. what the fuck is up with all of these like pedophile? Four Chan was right. Like, yeah, like it's it's always uh, it's like there's always like really young girls showing up at like these people who have like a lot of money and. Well, I mean, we have down here the, the like weird. What, who's that guy down here? The famous one that has all the political connections. Epstein. Epstein. We have Epstein down here, like right in Palm Beach. Remind me who he is? Yeah, exactly. I, I know that. I remember the name, like, really, like, I should know it, but I can't He's think of it. He's the billionaire guy who had the Lolita Express plane to fly people out to his island. Oh, Clinton was yeah. Clinton on it a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah. That's, that shit. Yeah. That guy. Oh, he's in Palm Beach. Yeah, yeah, he's, like, right down here. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Is that it? Do we have anything watch, else? Watch it. Uh, no, I was going to say something. What were you going to say? <laughs> well, like, you hear about, like... I was going to say something <laughs> really offensive. Uh, I could see that guy getting into, like, uh, Jet Smarter. Like, hit, like, a whole fleet what of What is planes. that thing in a collapse? I have no... I don't think that thing... I don't know. Dude, I think it's close. I, mean, I, I get a lot of news out of Jet Smarter. Yeah. Apparently, they laid off, like, all their workforce a couple weeks ago quietly. Like pretty much all of it. Wasn't that like a few months ago? Yeah, like oh yeah, like a couple weeks. I mean eight. Ha. Huh. Eight or nine. Yeah, maybe I'll. Uh, I don't know. That's that's interesting because they're they're still putting out articles, but I don't know. This is so weird. Like that, that company's dude. They're they're the fire festival of airplane like lending. Yeah. Did they did they take Saudi money? I think it's Russian mostly. 
I heard that the guy that founded it like talked to some sort like Mexican could very well guy, be. I mean, and like the guy, the guy, it's all like the guy just wrote him a check. What's really interesting is that like all all I hear, of, all I of hear the people these... in that industry they're saying like the economics don't work. I, I run a similar business. The economics don't work. Yeah, yeah. The, I remember that article that came yeah. out that was like this yeah, guy's from like, another, this like is a competitor. Not, this doesn't make sense. The economics sense. don't work. Yeah. Like I know the prices they're paying. There's no way that they can do this. Yeah. They're losing money. So I think they upped their fee. They did a bunch of things and like, you know, made a lot of their user base really mad. But yeah, I think they let go like a lot of their workers. And there's like, you know, I, I'm wondering how long they can last. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? I think I think it's everything. Yeah, I think that's. You have it. anything, Kevin? Anything we missed? I think that covers it. All right, we have all the good stuff. All right, Sean, tell us where they, tell the people where they can find us. In the uh, ETH Plus Yang Yang 2020 dojo. You guys changed the name, didn't you? Did you change that, or who changed it? Other Sean changed it. <laughs> it's <that>. so funny. <laughs> I got logged I was like, what the Yang Yang? That, yeah. that was the first I'd heard of it, by the way. So <laughs> changed. My God. Yeah. And this is Jensen Chunk It Up to Deuce of the South. The Mass is going to go in peace. St. Catherine, pray for us.